Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into this Thursday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, the Tiger Communications app, or if you listen after the fact on the Sports Call podcast. My name is Ryan LaVoy. I'm the host of this show. Today on the show, I've got Brooks Childress and Brant Daughtry with me here. Fun show planned for you today. We're going to recap Auburn basketball's triumphant victory in Baton Rouge yesterday. They defeated LSU 67-49, a decisive road victory again for Auburn, so We'll recap that one. We'll also have Cole Pinkston on at 3.30 of Auburn Live on 3 Sports. He will talk transfer portal with us. Of course, the transfer portal technically closing yesterday, but that only is for people entering their names. There's still always portal movement. Players can still make their decisions that are already in the portal. And so we'll continue to talk transfer portal with Cole and everything Auburn's got going on there. We'll also have birthdays and sports nightly TV guide as we always do. And a lot to talk about here on this Thursday. And of course your phone calls at 334-887-341 locally or toll free 1-888-9-TIGER-9 on our Auburn Bank phone line. A lot to do today. Again, I'm joined by Brooks and Brant. Brant, we'll start with you. I hope you're doing well, sir. Welcome uh, welcome back. Uh, yeah, man, I'm doing fantastic. Happy to be here. It's a wonderful Thursday. Love a good Thursday. Not as good as a Friday, but it's the next best thing. Um, I, I think uh, I think you hit the nail on the head. Just a, a fun game to watch uh, that Auburn played against LSU uh, last night. Uh, really a complete game. Uh, I mean, the, the first four or five minutes of the second half were kind of stressful. LSU closed the gap, but Auburn weathered that storm. And after that, really was in control. Uh, other than those five, four or five minutes, they were in complete control the entire game. So it was a... A very fun game to watch and uh, smothering defensively, holding a team, holding a Division One college basketball team to 49 points is not easy. And I know LSU is not very good, but still, it's an encouraging sign that you're able to do something like that against a team that is as offensively challenged as LSU has been so far this year. So, a great basketball game last night for Auburn. Another conference road victory. Those are never easy to come by, regardless of the quality of competition. So, the way the fact that Auburn was able to pull it out like it did was uh, was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely, and as you mentioned, uh, the first four or five minutes of that second half, it started to look like it was going to develop into a track meet, and then I don't think LSU scored for for much for, for, the, for about for the, seven minutes or right. something like that. Uh, and uh, so that was good news. Auburn able to get the victory. Brooks Childress on the show. Brooks, uh, first time on air with you um, since I guess uh, Tuesday. La- 
Well, we were on the show Tuesday. Yeah, I was about to say, wait a minute. It's two days ago. <laughs> right. Uh, but uh, good to have you back, sir. Hope you're doing well. I am doing fine. Uh, yeah, big win for the Auburn Tigers. Uh, I think they said, what, last, this is the first time Auburn's won at LSU in basketball since 2017. Uh, and so it was, uh, they started, you know, Auburn had that big streak of football losses down there in Baton Rouge that got broken last year or two years ago now, 2021. Uh, and basketball started to build up a little bit of a, a streak there too, but broke that last night always great to get a uh, for the tigers to get a road sec win like you guys said and especially when you were trying to keep as much pace as you can with uh teams like tennessee and alabama who are on the top of the conference and uh it's it's always good to get a road win uh, anywhere but continue to you know keep pace with those teams on top of the conference uh that's really big um yeah big uh big weekend of sports coming up uh, you know we'll start talking about auburn and south carolina today i'm sure uh i'm sure we will and and of course, I can't wait to talk to all our callers as well. It should be a, a fun Thursday show. Yeah, I don't know how much we'll talk Auburn, South Carolina, just from the standpoint of uh, South Carolina leaves not much to be talked about. You don't like the Gamecocks? <laughs> uh, I mean, it's not a like or dislike thing. It's a uh, they don't have a lot to offer. Good versus bad thing. Uh, so uh, we w- we might mention South Carolina a little bit too. But after I get a home loss to Ole Miss by double digits, uh, South Carolina still not exactly uh, humming on all cylinders. Uh, there were some uh, interesting games in the league though last night. Besides Auburn, so we will talk a little bit about those too. But let's start with this Auburn game again. Sixty-seven forty-nine. Uh, Auburn able to beat LSU's Tigers and uh, still overall a very low scoring game Auburn did not exactly have a uh, hellaciously good offensive night, but they did plenty. They did shoot 44% as a team, which is okay. Uh, 8 of 24 from 3, which uh, is actually a little above their average uh, of 30.1% coming into play. Only two players in double figures, but several, I think three players had eight points. So, again, Auburn kind of doing this, and I, and I listened to uh, the TV broadcast last night, and I think that Jimmy Dykes made a uh, really interesting point he and Tom Hart talking about how Auburn has kind of flown under the radar just a little bit because they don't have the go-to star player that they had last year or even just that most teams in their position usually do have I mean most teams typically have one guy especially if you're ranked that are going to be up for all conference honors that might be all first team or, or something like that be classified as a star player and Auburn's not necessarily had that they've got two or three guys averaging in the in the low double digits points per game that's nice but again that's not necessarily something that grabs the the average person if you're only averaging 12 13 a game uh, and they they basically are a team that just does not have uh, a lot of players that are nationally uh, getting a lot of love so that maybe that's why this team is starting to now fly under the radar now that they are improving and winning some games i thought that was an interesting point because we've been talking about these three to four guys wendell green jr janai broom jalen williams and alan flanagan that have risen their level of play in recent weeks and now Broom's had a couple uh, of less impactful games here, but still those are kind of the four that have set themselves apart from the rest of the team. But again, even so, I wouldn't say any one of those guys is vying for SEC player of the year or anything like that. They're just solid players, but at least for Auburn, they are getting some guys that are separating themselves. But this team now getting in a groove, here and and now a second road win and an opportunity for a third when they do go to South Carolina this weekend. 
Yeah, I think Wendell is kind of the only guy that you have that might be vying for an all-SEC spot, and that's less because he's a superstar first-round guy and more because the the he's just played really well. There are a lot of guys like Wendell in the SEC, point guards that are kind of out there to just do their jobs, and, and Wendell has as much impact on this Auburn team as anybody. Uh, when he has bad games, the entire team has bad games. But like you've said, with other guys that are superstars if someone has a bad game Janai Broom like you said hey uh, Bruce Pearl today said he's been dealing with a toe sprain that's kind of slowed him down for the past couple of games um if he can if he doesn't have it then Jalen Williams has been there to pick him up if Jalen doesn't have it then Alan Flanagan's been there to pick him up you have all these bunch of guys that on any given night can give you 15 16 17 points uh and while they may not all be able to do it at the same time. You've got enough consistency in them to where someone is going to make the the level of impact that you want uh, in the game. So I, I think Auburn is doing a, a really good job. Obviously, I wish there was somebody who could average 20, 25 points a night, but the fact is you just don't have that. Um, and I think this is a really good Auburn team. I don't think it's great. I don't think it's super talented. I think it's just really, really good. And you, you look around college basketball, there are a lot of teams like that. There are maybe three or four or five, six elite teams that have really separated themselves from the pack. And the rest of the field is full of just good college basketball teams. And I think that's where Auburn fits into this season. Uh, and you've got a chance to really make some noise if you can keep up this winning streak. Yeah, if you can keep up, if you can keep winning, like I said a minute ago, if you can keep winning and keep pace with an Alabama or Tennessee, uh, you you set yourself up because you've got you know a couple meetings with both of those teams coming up later in the year. If you can keep pace with them and hope that they you know slip up somewhere, Tennessee's already uh, dropped a game, so that that is you know what you needed for them. But if you can get Alabama to slip up somewhere else, and you can you know at at least. Uh, split with them at uh, when when you play uh, you play them twice you play them once in uh, almost in September once in February once in March and the same with uh, Tennessee you played them first week in February and you played them the very last uh, home game for you in March and you've got a chance to be right there with them and you know for some sort of tiebreaker or something uh, but you know this Auburn team like you said Wendell really good he he tied uh for the team lead points last night Jalen williams also had 14 last night those two have been uh especially as of late Jalen williams has come on here the last few games and has uh scored the basketball really well um you know you look at everyone else you know you, you had some uh, con- uh big con- contributions last night from alan flanagan with eight points katie johnson with eight points leo berman had eight points last night he was uh three for four from the field one of two of fr- uh, th- uh three pointers and then you know you look at the uh the 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 box score uh one of the big things is you won the the bench points 22 to 17 and that that was that is really big also what uh, a big factor last night in the way the score ended up was LSU didn't hit a basket in the last almost six and a half minutes of the game. They didn't hit a field goal for the last 627 of the game last night. Um, if you can play defense like that going forward, uh, you can continue to play defense uh, like that, you can you can win a lot of basketball games in this league. Like you said, Brent, there's a lot of good teams in college basketball this year. There's only a handful of great teams. Unfortunately, it feels like one of those is in your state and is your arch rival. That feels like that's one of the great yeah. teams in college basketball. Yeah, for sure. But if you can continue to play like they did, they have this last few games, you can get some offensive spurts, but also play really good defense. You've set yourself up to put yourself in a really good position come uh, postseason time and uh, yesterday's show cam tom and myself were talking about uh, we were trying to figure out what exactly the streak was for 
most consecutive weeks uh, in the top 25. We knew that it was 30 for Auburn. We did not know if that was already a tie of the record or 31 would be the tie. Just to clarify from that, 30 is the tie right now for Auburn in most consecutive weeks ranked in the top 25 of the AP poll. So if they are ranked next week, which I believe they have just solidified with the LSU win, even if they lose South Carolina, they would drop a couple spots. They would not drop nine spots or more than nine spots. Um, They will be ranked in the AP poll in the top 25, 31 consecutive weeks as of next week, if that uh, does remain true. And that will be the record for Auburn men's basketball. So an incredible run by Auburn. Obviously, they had the team that got ranked number one last year. This team was flirting with not being ranked at some times earlier this year, but they've weathered that storm and they're starting to turn things around. We'll talk a little bit more about them as we go through this Thursday show. We need to take our first time out of the show, however. When we come back, we'll go to the Auburn Bank phone line. And again, Cole Pinkston comes up at 3.30 Don't want to miss that. This is the Thursday edition of Sports Call. Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. Let's get back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Feel free to give us a call at 334-887-3401 or toll free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Welcome back to Sports Call on this Thursday. Ryan Brandt and Brooks with you here. Coming to you live from our studios on South College Street. Let's go to our Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today. 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. First up on the show today, James from Montgomery. James joins us. James, how are you doing? I am good. I am good. We're in War Eagle. War Eagle. <coughs> yeah. <coughs> Sorry. Uh, the All first good? thing that I'm going to actually um, get off or actually kick off uh, this sports call, um, I am very excited of seeing my Dallas Cowboys actually make a huge victory against uh, Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers over uh, last week, uh, last weekend's game as well. That was a, an, a um, it, it was like a Super Bowl moment for Dak Prescott as well. Yeah, the Cowboys certainly played very well. Uh, They dominated that game. And, uh, of course, for the Cowboys, they've got uh, San Francisco now this week. And the Cowboys still in search of their first Super Bowl in in, uh, 30 years or so. So the Cowboys, still more work to do. But important first step, got to win the first one to play the next one. So uh, they did a good job. And we'll see how they do against San Francisco this weekend. Yes, as well, because, I mean, this game, um, it's a historic game. Um, you have the team from the 80s, and then you have the team from the 90s. And uh, with this game being on Sunday night, I mean, this is going to be like a Sunday night uh, matchup for Dak Prescott because I know he, he looks like a Hall of Famer. So if he actually proves his um, his quarterback skills against um, – 
Well, with Jimmy Garoppolo, he's out. He's hurt. But with um, Pruitt, I mean, Pruitt, people think that he's better than Jimmy Garoppolo. No. Jimmy Garoppolo is better than um, Bryce Pruitt. He, he That's his team. He owns the San Francisco 49ers uh, team. That's his team. He built that team from the ground up. So I think Jimmy Pruitt needs to talk to Jimmy Garoppolo because he is he, Jimmy Garoppolo is, is an older quarterback. He's been with that team. He, um, he's actually you know, took that team to the Super Bowl um, in years past as well. Yeah, he did. Uh, he played the Kansas City Chiefs uh, a few years back in the Super Bowl. Uh, the, the 49ers quarterback that's replaced him uh, after the injury is Brock Purdy. He's out of uh, I- Iowa State, and uh, mm-hmm. he has not lost as a starter yet so far. Uh, but obviously, if the 49ers have kind of built a team that's really good defensively and run games, so it's not just quarterback play for them. They've, they've had a really talented roster uh, up and down. Yes, that's well, because I mean, with this, with these two teams actually playing against each other, um, seeing the Dallas Cowboys um, playing against the 49ers, I mean, with the 49ers, I, I've seen like so many great um, Hall of Famers that played with this team. Um, one one particular quarterback that sticks out to me that's in the Hall of Fame in uh, Canton, Ohio, is. Um, is uh what's this um uh what is his name um he, he's a he's a great guy for San Francisco Steve Young yes yes Steve Young and when I look at um that team of the ninety I mean of the eighties I remember the uh the the iconic catch well, that you- they've done. And you could also say Joe Montana too was before Steve Young. Yep. Yeah, and and um, and Joe Montana as well. And once they do like the like the promos for this for this game, you'll see some of the um, history being played in uh, Santa Clara, California, as well. Because this this is actually I see these two teams actually meeting up after the divisional round. I'll probably see these two teams actually meeting up in the Super Bowl as well. But, I mean, right now for the weekend, that's right around the corner, close to Super Bowl Sunday. Who, who knows what these four teams that are left in the, in the divisional round playoffs as well. Yeah, and uh, obviously the, the loser of this game will have their season in, but you're right, there's a, another matchup in the NFC. you got the Philadelphia Eagles and the New York Giants, and of course that's a, a divisional, uh, both those teams' divisional rivals are the Cowboys, and then over in the AFC, you got the Kansas City Chiefs versus the Jacksonville Jaguars, and then you've got the Buffalo Bills versus the Cincinnati Bengals. Yes, now for that game that I'm actually going to be watching um, for the Cincinnati, for Cincinnati Bengals and the Buffalo Bills, they were talking about um, it's very like for these two teams to actually play in a neutral site in Atlanta. I mean, ticket sales are going to be way, way down for both of these teams. And then they're saying uh, this this neutral site is very, very, very disrespectful to both teams as well. Uh, I'm not sure why they're saying uh, it's it's disrespectful to both teams. They, uh, what makes you say that? Well, because, I mean, with the injuries that 
the injury that actually happened last Monday with um, with uh, Damian um, Demar uh, Hamlin. Demar Hamlin. I mean, they should know. You know, if they're going to play a game like that, a neutral site in Atlanta. I mean, can they play it like somewhere else instead of Atlanta? I mean, there's other stadiums that are that are really popular in popularity in the NFL. I mean, you have uh, Tampa Bay, you have Kansas City, you have Houston, you have Dallas, uh, you have uh, Las Vegas. You know, somewhere that's you know that that is right along that that line in the in the Buffalo Bills uh, metropolitan area as well. Yeah, well, I think the goal was to make it uh, truly a neutral site. So they did not want to make it uh, closer to one than the, to the other. They didn't want to make it an advantage for one or the other. Atlanta is, is quite far from, from both uh, and pretty equal, uh, if I had to guess. And so they also wanted a – if they're going to move it to the neutral site, they can control the elements such as the weather a little bit more by putting it in a, uh, in a dome. Uh, so they really were targeting a dome. I know they asked Detroit about the Lions facility, but the Lions said that they were in the process of redoing the, the turf there, so they uh, could not do the Lions. So they then asked Atlanta, and Atlanta uh, said yes. So I think that they Atlanta just checked a lot of boxes in terms of uh, being a, a true neutral site and then also not having to worry about the weather. Yeah, because, I mean, I mean, with Atlanta, they do have um, – you know every everything that's checked in with Atlanta. I mean, their their stadium is pretty pretty amazing from what I've seen from the national championship game, and um, it, it's it's a dome uh, stadium. So um, there there's going to be a lot of confusions with uh, those teams with both teams as well. But I mean, with uh, Atlanta hosting. A, um, a national uh, neutral site. I think Atlanta is really doing a really good job to, you know, have their home open to to these um, two teams as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, what else is on your mind, James? Well, I am actually counting down the days to the NASCAR 2023 schedule, which is right around the corner. It starts February the fifth, and. Los Angeles, California with Clash of Champions once again. I'm going to be watching that for the second time this year as well. Yeah, I know NASCAR is very excited about that. They had a, a lot of success going to the L.A. Coliseum last year for that clash on the the little track that they built inside of the Coliseum. And that is coming up in just a couple of weeks. And so NASCAR is right around the corner. Yes, as well, because it, this is going to be um, a really good NASCAR uh, week, uh, this coming up week, and um, seeing some uh, newcomers that are actually uh, going to be uh, changing from their old team to their new team as well, and uh, seeing if um, Bubba Wallace is still going to stay with the 23 um, team or if he's going to um, try – try to find a new home with a new team as well for uh, this coming up year's uh, NASCAR uh, schedule as well. 
Yeah, he will still be with the same uh, team. He's going with 2311 Racing, uh, the, the team owned by Michael Jordan and, and Denny Hamlin, and he will be driving the 23 car again this year. Yes, as well. And then um, there's going to be some uh, really um, – there, there's going to be like some uh, new tracks being added to the 2023 uh, schedule. Um, I know they're going to do one. I think this year, I think July the fourth or fifth, they're going to. Well, probably the fourth, fourth of July weekend, they're going to do um, a race out in Las Vegas, Nevada, for the first time as well on uh, the Las Vegas Strip. So that's going to be added this year as well. I think you're confusing that with uh, with Formula One. Formula One is going to be uh, going to Las Vegas at some point. I'm not sure if it's this year or next year. Uh, NASCAR has uh, been going to Las Vegas Motor Speedway uh, for a couple decades now. They always have a date uh, pretty early in the year. They used to have two dates. I, I don't remember if they have two or one now. Uh, but, uh, but they do go to Las Vegas Motor Speedway. I know that F1 at some point, Formula One, will be going to the Las Vegas, uh, to the city of Las Vegas and doing a street race out there though yes that's all because i mean i i do love nascar and formula one and uh those are my two favorite sports i've um, loved for so many many years and um on the formula one uh side of it uh i've been watching formula one ever since i was just like a little kid being uh some so many great formula one drivers uh and one of my favorite uh, formula one drivers that I can remember is um, uh, uh, Emnia Andretti. That's the only. That's the only person that comes to mind. Oh, I thought you might go uh, Michael Schumacher. Schumacher uh, won uh, several F1 titles back in the uh, late 90s, early 2000s, that sort of thing. I know the Andretti family has been very popular, but they've been more with IndyCar uh, here in the U.S. as opposed to Formula One, Mario Andretti, and then his uh, uh, some of his uh, – children and grandchildren like mario andretti and that sort of thing marco andretti but uh uh but yeah uh certainly the andretti name holds a, a lot in north american racing and, and formula one has that same open wheel but just uh over in a more global capacity last thing for us james then we got to let you go and get to our next guest well i'm actually going to be um watching the uh nba all-star uh game that's coming a week and uh seeing if uh if Jabari Smith is going to be making uh, some um, great dunks in the uh, in the dunk contest as well, uh, I did not see if uh, Jabari was going to be in the, the dunk contest. Um, I know he'll probably be in the rookie game. The, they have the freshman sophomore type of deal of the uh, the rookie game, but uh, I know he's very long and lanky. So if he uh, wanted to do the dunk contest, I'm sure uh, he might be able to do that. But still, kind of not necessarily known for the dunking aspect as much. Yeah, so I'm going to probably um, keep up with some NFL news and uh, share that with you all on Friday as well. And then with that NFL news, I'll probably get like some uh, Super Bowl trivia as well. All right, so you want some Super Bowl trivia tomorrow. I, th- I think we can make that happen. All right, sounds good in War Eagle. War Eagle, that is James from Montgomery. Joining us on our Auburn Bank phone line, always appreciate James for calling in. We've got to take our next break. Cole Pinkston of On3 coming up next here on this Thursday edition of Sports Call.
easy it is to listen to our show? All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn. I'm Corey Grant, former Auburn football and NFL running back, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to this Thursday edition of Sports Call. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, Brant Daughtry with you here. Coming to you live from our studios on South College Street. And now it's time to go to the Auburn Bank phone line as we've got a special guest today, Cole Pinkston of Auburn Live on 3 Sports. Joining us now to talk all things Transfer Portal. And there are a lot of things to cover in this Transfer Portal, especially for Auburn. Cole, the time is greatly appreciated. Hope you're doing well today. Yes, sir, Ron. I appreciate you having me on, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, this Auburn team has been very busy in the portal. We do know that yesterday technically was a, a big day for the portal as new entrants had to make a declaration of, of joining the portal yesterday. So we know that more names will not be added here for a few months, but that does not mean a lot of people can't join. Uh, and joining a, a, a Auburn roster now that has seen, I believe, 12 uh, new additions through the portal here in the last few weeks. Cole, and, and I wanted to start just by asking you personally and this is not necessarily meant to be a dig at the former staff but for you covering recruiting and everything going on in Auburn how busy compared to maybe the last year or two of this time how busy has the these last few weeks just been for you covering all of these visits and all these new portal additions well I mean if you consider us having to go up to the complex and being around being around Auburn just to see who they're bringing in busy uh we had to do that every day so that's that's something that maybe we didn't have to do a year ago as a team have to just be on the lookout all the time for different transfer portal guys visiting auburn and 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 on the lookout for commitments just coming out of nowhere almost um you know it's hard to track down these transfer portal guys because they're kind of they're kind of no nonsense uh, they've already been through the whole recruiting spiel before, so they're going to find a place where they fit, and they're not going to spend but a week on it. And uh, you just never know. So Auburn kept bringing in guys, and uh, they kept they kept uh, winning the recruiting battle on a lot of these guys too. Auburn currently ranked third in the On3 transfer portal rankings, and I've been using uh, On3's uh, rankings a lot here, Cole, just because, I mean, I mean, there's been stuff to update every single day. Uh, I did have a question just overall. Uh, we were talking about this a little bit off air. Uh, the adjusted NIL value tool. Uh, we know how big NIL is. We had a whole spiel yesterday about Rashada not going to Florida with the $13 million agreement there. NIL is a very big part of this, obviously. And I was just curious what this adjusted NIL value tool is all about. We see Auburn's got a figure next to them at $5.9 million. So just break to a break down to us what this adjusted NIL value is kind of measuring here. Yeah, really really what it is is a, a recruiting tool. Um, you can look to look to Auburn and, and show other recruits and go, look, well, you know, we've got this NIL valuation that's you know, growing. Um, with our players, meaning these these guys are making money here, and it's not just from promises we make them. It's because uh, you know them joining up with Auburn University and, and this football program 
you know, gives you value because you're going to be on TV. People are going to know who you are. Uh, you're going to be your name is going to be out there uh, in in association with Auburn. So that's sort of what it means. And sometimes when you see uh, guys commit to a place like Auburn, uh, you know, with a name value, name brand like that, then the valuation rises. It has to do with their social media, with how well known of a player they are, their ranking, things of that nature. So it's an interesting tool. Cole, uh, you look at these 12 transfers that Auburn has gotten in. Uh, who, Which of these guys is going to be the guy that, in game one, fans are going to see this guy and go, okay, this guy's a really good player and w- we did a good thing getting him out of the portal. Who's the guy that stands out to you the most as an immediate impact guy? Well, you, you got uh, in game one, you're going to have three offensive linemen, first of all, who are going to have – I mean, I, I'm just about as close to say that they're going to start as anything – Avery Jones at center, and then two tackles, Dylan Wade and Gunnar Britton. But, you know, offensive linemen, they don't get all the glory. I'd say a guy that's probably going to make some noise early on is uh, Justin Rogers, defensive lineman that transferred from Kentucky. Man, that guy, and, and again, he's kind of a kind of a low-glory guy because he's, he plugs up the middle and he doesn't record all the stats, but he's a guy that makes the entire defense better. And, and you can watch that on film and you can see linebackers running free because he takes the double team every time and he demands one every time and he usually wins them. And Auburn hasn't had that up front in, in a couple of years, in my opinion. A guy that consistently wins those double teams. And you can't, if he's on the field, you're going to have to double team and you have no choice. And that, so to me, Justin Rogers and then a couple of linebackers, Demario Tolan from LSU. Uh, Austin Keys from Ole Miss, both of those guys. Poland was just a freshman last year, but he was working in to the rotation, especially late in the year for LSU, and they had a talented linebacker group. So it says a lot about him, and he was a big target for Auburn uh, the first go-round. So I, I expect to see both of those guys um, starting or being key players on the defense. And Cole, that leads me to my next question because what's interest me, interested me a lot about these guys that Auburn's getting, and we knew offensive line would be important, we knew defensive line would be important, but you kind of mentioned it there, three SEC transfers into the linebacking core, dating back to uh, Elijah McAllister out of Vanderbilt, and of course you just mentioned Demario uh, Tolan out of LSU, and then uh, Austin Keys out of Ole Miss. Uh, these guys, I, and I know they're to varying degrees, maybe have not played a lot in this league but still they've been in these sec programs and and cole it feels like to me this is not something the previous staff was was very adept at doing uh at getting sec guys into auburn uh especially here defensively where they need a lot of help up front um are are you a little surprised i mean i I know hugh freeze has a great recruiting uh, background but are you a little surprised that auburn was able to get these SEC guys up front this quickly from these big SEC programs? Uh, I would say I'm a little surprised because we, we knew, look, coming in, I mean, whoever took over, if it wasn't Hugh Freeze, if it was somebody else, they were going to have to do an overhaul. I mean, the roster's in, a, in, in the kind of shape, numbers-wise, and, and you could argue talent-wise in some areas that it just can't be in the SEC. So, Whoever came in was going to have to overhaul this roster. It starts with that first window, which is what we just had passed of the transfer portal. Hugh Freeze took care of business there. Twelve guys that are going to come in and be able to compete as early as the spring practice, um, you know, sessions there. So, you know, 
did, I, I expected them to get depth pieces. I didn't expect them to go and get starters like these guys. Cole, let's turn our attention to the high school ranking, to the high school recruiting now. Uh, of the guys that Auburn brought in in early signing period, who's a guy that you think is going to contribute uh, immediately, and who are the guys that you think, uh, maybe not as freshmen, but in a year or two, these guys are going to be pretty special? Uh, I think the number one immediate impact guy is, is Deron Reed. And uh, I've been calling him Darren, but he actually – he, he corrected me in person in a nice way. So it's actually Deron. So Deron Reed, that's a four-star defensive lineman from Columbus, Georgia. Um, gosh, man, he is he is very very good. He he was a top performer in the Army All American Bowl. Excuse me, it's not the Army Bowl, just the All American Bowl this past a uh, couple weeks ago. And he was good all year. I saw him in person. The guy's a game changer. I think he plays immediately on the defensive line, even with a few transfers coming in. And then uh, another guy, Kay and Lee, he was also at the All-American Bowl. Auburn's pretty, you know, got got some good numbers there, got some good players in the secondary, but I, I see him making an impact pretty early, too. He's just that good. Um, and uh, Kelton Falk was a huge victory. I, I'm not sure if he's ready to be, you know, a key rotational guy. I think he could play in his first year but down the road that's the guy with monster potential and he's just going to keep getting better as it goes on so um those are a few guys that come to mind obviously you have a really strong center prospect coming up in connor lou one of the top centers in the country uh Isaiah miller's an interesting guy juco guy that uh flipped from ole miss we'll see what happens with him does he does he uh, fight for one of those starting tackle spots and try to win out there, maybe a guard spot. Um, so there's some interesting pieces coming in from, from the high school class, too. Cole, I, I know you probably get asked this every single time you're on an interview, but uh, especially about Auburn. When it when it comes to this Hugh Freeze's first class uh, and his first go-through with the portal here, one of the big, uh, big positions that we saw right at the start was, you know, when uh, – was quarterback and when Grayson McCall was out there everyone was uh, so excited it felt like Auburn was going and then uh, was going after a quarterback with with Leary and with McCall and then after those two kind of you know went their separate ways went back to Coastal and went to Kentucky the the talk for getting a quarterback in the portal kind of started to die off there was a few names here and there but it, it kind of started to die off do you think that they're still looking to add a quarterback uh, to this room or do you think they that Hugh Freeze and this staff is kind of settled with what they've got on campus yeah, I, I think I think the fact that you saw them cool off after two of the top guys didn't work out, uh, you know, for whatever reason they didn't work out, is is a sign that hey, we want a guy, but we want a guy that's going to come in and, and be able to play, um, or at least compete with Robbie Ashford uh, holding Gurner for that number one spot. Not just the body. We we don't want a body here. We got enough of that. We got to have a guy that can come in and play. He's got some playing experience, fits in the offense, and can elevate that room and, and elevate the team. So, when they didn't hit on those two guys, they kind of slowed it down. There were some other guys, but they weren't gung ho about those guys. And that, you know, they're going to wait around and see what else happens. But I, I do think that Auburn will have a new quarterback and a guy that with some starting experience before, you know, they hit the field next year. 
talking to Cole Pinkston here of On3 and Auburn Live. Cole, one or two more here for you as we look ahead now. Obviously, it's not a dead period coming up, but you can't put your name in the portal if it's not already there for, I believe, till like May 1st or something like that. Does not mean there's not more action here. So what is Auburn looking to do in the coming months? I know spring practice will come and go, maybe more roster spots open after that, but just like how much more does Auburn want slash need to do here in the coming months? Yeah, I think they'll reevaluate everyone that's in the portal because if you're following it, there's, I mean, there's over a thousand people probably uncommitted in the portal. So there's still names out there that they could consider bringing in. I think what you saw with this, this, you know, bringing in so many visitors and and trying to get people to commit and, and get in the fold as quickly as possible, you saw a bunch of guys and I didn't even mention some of the guys like Nick Martiner, a receiver from Cincinnati, Brian Batie, a thousand-yard rusher um, at USF last season. These are guys that were starters at other places. These are guys that were key contributors. You know, guys that can come in and start at Auburn. I think now you're going to look at them, go back, and say this guy would make a good depth piece. He would add some. You know, he's a younger guy with a couple years to play. He would add something to this room and sort of bring up the floor of the room and the depth. So I think that's what they do now. Um, you're going to see a heavy emphasis on the class of 2024. And just th- this past week, they, the coaches have been out on the road trying to get that squared away and get to know coaches and, and, and talk to players. And they've, they've hit the high school of every Alabama commit so far. So you like to see that if you're an Auburn fan, they're going to try to uh, make sure they can uh, at least give those guys a reason to – to think about it so it's, it's an interesting strategy i think they're they're off to a good start with that too he's cole pinkston of auburn live on three sports cole uh the time is greatly appreciated what do you have in the works there with you and the crew over at uh, auburn live yeah man we're always got something going on we're, we're trying to track everything well, like i said there's probably some more um there there's there should be a few more portal names that emerge we think so we're going to keep trying to dig for that and uh, keep you updated as much as possible. It's been sort of a slow week, but, you know, things pick up out of nowhere these days. And the way that Freeze and his staff are getting after it, you can you can guarantee there's going to be some news before long. So definitely join us at Auburn Live. we got the special going right now. It's about 30 bucks to sign up for a full-year subscription. So definitely check us out. Great deal indeed. And, and Cole, again, we appreciate the time today. Uh, I know you'll continue to be very busy with Portal stuff, but we do appreciate the time today and hope hope to talk again soon. Absolutely. Appreciate it. That is Cole Pinkston of Auburn Live on 3 Sports joining us here on this Thursday edition of Sports Call. We need to take our last commercial break of hour number one. We'll wrap up hour number one in just a moment. is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. If you are currently driving in a four-door sedan, roll up the windows and turn up the radio. We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. This is former Auburn football player Danny Skutak, and you are listening to the Abbey Award-winning sports call Auburn. 
Final couple minutes of hour number one here on this Thursday edition of Sports Call. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Daughtry, Brooks Childress with you here. Thanks to Cole Pinkston of Auburn Live on 3 Sports for joining us just a minute ago. If you didn't just miss that interview, we talked a lot of Transfer Portal. We talked a lot of Auburn recruiting. You can go check that out on the Sports Call podcast presented by coca-cola here after the fact once we get that posted so uh don't uh don't want to miss that if you if you did the first time and uh a good conversation with cole and just a couple minutes left in the hour as i said but um 12 transfers in auburn again still currently ranking third on the uh, in the on three portal rankings and and also I, I i didn't mention this with cole but one of the reasons i really truly like on three more than two four seven at this point in their portal rankings is uh that they rate everyone there was a period of time i was looking early in the portal where two four seven was not uh not rating kids they're just like it was not factoring in at all and it, like um, there were some teams that had five or six commits and they, they were below teams that didn't have or have one commit because they weren't really registering those guys. But on three ranks, everybody. And so it's been really helpful to look through that and be able to kind of see how everyone, even with their minuses, stacks up because they average out the pluses and the minuses. Again, we talked about yesterday, Arkansas has like 27 kids in the portal, but they're still ranked pretty highly in, in the in what they've added because the 10 guys they've got are really good. Auburn doesn't have an overwhelming difference. They've, they've added 12, subtracted 10, and again, third in the country because the 12 they've gotten are for the most part better than the 10 they've subtracted. So, uh, regardless though, uh, the, the positive recruiting re- momentum, and I liked what Cole said at the end there, Brant, where He's talking about Auburn is starting to go to high schools. He could have cut that off, and, and I would have been happy with compared <laughs> yeah. to the last coach. But he, they're going to the high schools that Alabama kids are currently committed to, or kids committed to Alabama. And not that Auburn's going to be able to just switch a bunch of these kids, but you got to start attempting. You got to start acting like a big time SEC program, and you got to start winning a few of those battles. It's understandable Alabama's going to win more of them right now, especially right now. But you got to start really hitting hard, and they they've been trying here now as of late. And it's about establishing those relationships, and it's not even necessarily about these kids for maybe next year, but down the road, down the road, these high school coaches matter. They remember if you've come wind them and dined them a little bit but <laughs> just talk to them and been interested in their program i mean that that can matter not just with one recruiting cycle but with cycles to come yeah absolutely and you know i, I tweeted this out actually earlier and i'll say it on the radio because it still rings true i'm sick and tired of hearing and talking about brian harson the man was bad and he got fired and now he's gone and i don't want to talk about him anymore but it is tough to look at this window of recruiting and not bring up brian harson because it was so bad there was such a lack of effort and there was such a there was just so many misses um and (laughs) i think what hugh freeze has done has been very impressive but I, i think it's made more impressive by the fact that it's better than what we've seen over the last five or six years not just over the brian harson era but uh the last couple of years of the gus malzahn tenure you you're seeing you're seeing Auburn start to return to form uh, as far as recruiting goes. And while I don't think you can build the entire boat out of transfer guys, uh, 
Cole's right. Auburn's roster is in a spot numbers-wise where it just needs new players. It needs more players than it has right now. And the guys that you have brought in have really contributed. I think they're going to contribute next year, and I think this is the way to start this. I still think your lifeblood has to be high school recruiting, but you're patching the holes right now, and right now you just have so many holes. Yeah, still a lot of holes. We'll see what Auburn continues to add here in future weeks. And again, there's probably going to be another wave of them around the 1st of May, too. Out of time for hour number one and hour number two, we'll go back to Auburn Bank phone line. We'll also have birthdays in sports and much more. Stay tuned. This Thursday edition of Sports Call continues in a moment. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two of Sports Call starting right now here on Tiger 95.9. Ryan Lavoy is my name. I'm the host of this show. I've got Brooks Childress and Brant Daughtry with me here yeah, on this Thursday edition. Yeehaw. Hello, Brooks. Hello, Brant. Uh, <laughs> I'm here. On this uh, Thursday edition, again, uh, we appreciate Cole Pinkston for joining us in hour number one. And to start hour number two, we're going to go right back to our Auburn Bank phone line, one of our great callers, 334-887-341 locally, or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Starting up hour number two on the Auburn Bank phone line. Ward Damn Steve. Retired Ward Damn Steve joins us. Steve, how are you doing? Hey, good afternoon to you. Is it uh, 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 Brent? Ryan, Brant, and Brooks. Ryan, Brant, and Brooks. Okay. The uh, usual suspects. Yes, sir. So. I enjoyed uh, listening to uh, the conversation you had with Mr. Cole Pinkston. However, uh, I heard you also comment, and uh, I'm going to take a different stance. I know you said you are feeling that uh, all three has a more credible uh, transfer ranking of the transfer portal ranking. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. 247 uh, has us ranked number two uh, behind Florida State. Who's uh, Cole Pinkston have as uh, number one? Uh, well, again, it's not just Cole Pinkston. It's uh, right, site-wide. Site um, let me double-check. I thought I saw maybe earlier it was UCLA. I've now gone to the wrong page. Um, I know uh, it's, so it's Colorado, UCLA, then Auburn. Hmm. That's interesting. Um, 247 Sports, uh, as I mentioned earlier, they have uh, Florida State being number one and they're number two. But uh, who, who knows what metrics they're using. Right. Well, uh, and as I explained, uh, 247 doesn't rank every player, which is a big red flag. Um, in, in do how they not you, do that anymore? Or they, 
Well, you do it and do it now. Well, they—I mean—they rank every high school player, but they—they they don't rank uh, some of these portal guys. And so I was noticing early in the process, some of these teams had multiple players committed, and they were not registering in the team rankings. So uh, on three okay. kind of on three kind of takes into account what a team has lost and what a team is gaining. So this is kind of more of a complete look of it. Okay. Um, well, I, I, I take to it for you know, and say, say, I'm just reading here from uh, Nathan Kings in 247 Sports Comedy. He says, in the 247 Sports Transfer Rankings, Auburn's number two behind Florida State with Colorado third, Southern Cal fourth, and LSU fifth. I don't even mention the UCLA. But it said, looking at all teams in the country, Auburn has the most four-star on their roster via the portal, with eight followed by Florida State, and with seven, and then Southern California LSU with six apiece. So uh, I ain't no falling three or breaks it down like that. But uh, back to the last night's game, guys. Uh, I, uh, I I think it was a uh, really outstanding win uh, on the road, uh, winning uh, by what almost what almost twenty points, not quite. Yep, eighteen. And, yep. Yeah. Uh, it could have been probably worse. What I don't understand, and I was really frustrated with this, it happened twice. What explains, like at times, at least two times, they acted to their behavior, the, the, the team players, as if they weren't a team. They're looking around at each other, and the clock went down to zero twice. So, uh, How does that happen? Just with guys? shot clock violations? Um, yeah, shot clock violations twice. It yeah. went down to zero. Yeah, obviously, it's uh, a shot clock violation is always frustrating. Uh, Auburn has been a lot more patient with how they've run offense this year. Usually, they try and live in transition, and transition has not been as effective this year, so they've slowed it down. And obviously, when you slow it down and you try and do stuff in the late shot clock, you get a pass knocked away or you lose track of time, and uh, that type of thing happens one or two times. Obviously, it's always frustrating, but uh, it's not that's not a problem that uh, others don't face. I just couldn't figure out why now would they, you know, take so much time off the clock and, and do they not ever, ever look up at the clock at all? Yeah, it depends on the player. Some some guys are very aware and they'll make sure they, they find the clock and then some guys, it, it just it doesn't occur to them. And I'm sure well, I, uh, the, the team, uh, the, uh, the fans were probably counting it down, weren't they? Uh, you maybe. Uh, obviously, you're in a road venue, so it would be a little. You're not going to get helped out by the road crowd, obviously, and not that there were a ton of people there, but uh, maybe you know. I don't know. I I don't know if the bench said something to them or trying to alert them or not. Okay. All right. Uh, didn't know this about uh, Mr. Wendell Green. Uh, apparently, uh, stats. It says that uh, in SEC, uh Green has made ninety point two percent of his uh, free throws. Yeah. So he's like money in the bank. Yeah, he's been uh, he's always been a very good foul shooter. He's obviously even hotter right now, uh, and and they've needed that because Auburn has a lot of guys that are average or below average from the foul line. And fortunately for them, Wendell Green Jr. takes I think the most free throws not only on the team but one of the most free throw totals in the league. So it's very helpful that that he shoots them at such a high clip. And I didn't know this, uh, according to these stats, Jalen Williams actually is doing better at free throw line than uh, Mr. Green is. He's hitting 91.7%, although he's taken less uh, attempts at free throw, only 12. He's made 11. Gotcha, yeah. I was about to say, he he uh, he's definitely not shooting as many foul shots as Wendell Wendell shoots 
six, eight, nine a night. But uh, it's it's good that uh, all these guys are starting to improve from the line. And I'd like to see maybe, maybe your night room should maybe uh, uh, I don't know spend a little bit more time with uh, Wendell Green and find out what is his technique at the at the free throw line because again last night but he was horrendous. Yeah, he's over two from the foul line, and uh, this is. Uh, definitely he's not the only one but uh, obviously these guys you know free throws I know a lot of people get uh, very very frustrated by them and it's hard to figure but again I go back to I, it's not for a lack of trying it's not for a lack of work ethic some guys are just not good shooters some guys are just not good even from the foul line we, we know this to be true across the professional and college ranks so yeah, I, I'm sure it's not that Janai Broom's not working on it but uh, obviously he's, he's just not gotten the results on uh, Brian Broom didn't know this. He's the C at nine point oh per contest. Uh, say that one more time, Steve. Sure. It says Broom is the rebounding leader in the SEC games at at nine point contest, followed by Flanagan at five and a half. Gotcha. Yeah. Now I figured he would lead the the lead, lead the team for sure. And uh, even though he's had a couple of slower games recently, Brant mentioned earlier in the show. Bruce Pearl said uh, that that Janai Broom has been dealing with a toe injury here the, the last week or so. So that could explain some of the uh, lesser play after he got off to that hot conference start. All right. And then uh, moving on, guys. Uh, Cole Pinkston made a uh, I thought a strong I guess prediction about uh, who the starting quarterback would be. He indicates he doesn't give um, that to uh, Mr. Robbie Ashford, right? Uh, I, I, I think I heard him say that you know they would be looking into it uh, as far as another portal guy. Obviously, it's going to depend on, on who Auburn, Auburn gets there. But of, of the guys on the roster right now, you, I mean, you'd have to say Ashford would be, would be ahead. Okay, maybe I misheard. I, th- I thought he said that he didn't. Uh, he didn't think that Robbie Asher would be the starting quarterback. Did I mishear that? Yeah, I, I don't know. Did uh, if anyone else? I thought no. I, he, he I, never yeah. said explicitly that he didn't expect Robbie to be there. He said that he does expect Auburn to go and get a guy who has starting experience and is able to push Robbie for that starting job. And right, and I, I certainly think they need to do that because right now there isn't anybody else on this roster who has any real experience or that we expect to to be on this roster come game, uh, come game one. No, I, I, I agree. Uh, I haven't seen any, any potential prospects for the transfer portal for quarterbacks. Have you guys? Well, the transfer portal has actually closed in the early window. The, the, the next window uh, will be open after spring practice. So uh, right now I don't, I, don't think any, I don't think any quarterback's going to come in until after spring ball unless there's something I'm missing, which I've missed a ton of stuff lately. So that definitely could come into play. Okay. Uh, and then there's a, 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 a preferred walk that uh, – let me his name up here – that has to do with a comment – that was made, I think, by you, Ryan, about, you know, or maybe Cole, that, you know, um, the previous uh, coaching staff didn't really seem to, I guess, put very much emphasis or effort on going to high schools that uh, apparently were constantly, I guess, a, uh, a farm uh, for, uh, for Alabama players. Right. And there is a uh, Fred Walk on, I think his last name is, uh, I'm trying to find his name here who uh, apparently attends a school that has been historically a uh, Alabama portal. Uh, and this is the first time that apparently, according to this coach, that this individual uh, 
that, that our coaching staff has gone and visited, and uh, he said the individual is apparently going to be preferred walk on uh, at, Al- at, uh, at Auburn. And I'm trying to see what his name was. Is, he a, B. is he a quarterback? No. No. Okay. I, I don't. I'm not. I think exactly, he's a running back. I'm not exactly sure. Then at the moment, I'll have to uh, look some things up myself. So my question will always be, you know, what what were these people? What was the previous coaching? They're not thinking. Uh, look, it's it's well documented, and I said it earlier. It's well documented that the Harson staff was not did not put the emphasis on recruiting that was necessary, uh, and that's a big reason. That's a big part of the reason they're gone. Okay, all right, guys. Um, I know the the game's coming up uh, Saturday. Uh, the win that we had last night. The, what kind of a uh, I guess uh, would you call that in terms of you know level one, level two? Uh, I I'm not sure. I think that would be a quad two win because I think quad, LSU is, yeah. I think LSU is in the top 100, 130. Well, since it was a road game, yeah, road um, game makes that higher so too. So I think we went over this Tuesday. Now that I can recall that Brooks was on the show on Tuesday because earlier I forgot. Thank you. Uh, it was top seventy five. Uh, is a is a road win, road quad one win. I think LSU was in the fifties, if right. I remember correctly. LSU, well, it, uh, LSU is right now in the net uh, one twenty two. Oh, okay, no, never mind then. They that was someone else. Uh, so yeah, that would be quad two then. Quad two, right? Okay, which is pretty decent then, right? Yeah, that yeah. helps. It's uh, it's not going to uh, really add too much to a resume, but yeah, it's not a bad thing. All right, beating South Carolina doesn't really do very much for him. Losing it obviously would be would be devastating, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, losing it would would hurt a lot. Winning it, uh, it's it's quad four no matter where they play that game, and so South Carolina. No matter. Yeah, no matter. Yeah, they're uh, they're bad. Their net ranking is two hundred and eighty yep. of the three hundred and forty, I believe, available. Yeah, three. Yeah, three sixty something like that. Yep. Okay, not too good. Nope. All right, uh, what do you suspect, guys? Uh, will be the line. Um, if Auburn was favored, let me do some reasoning here. If Auburn was favored by five at LSU, and LSU had been struggling, but at least is somewhat competent, South Carolina is not competent. I think Auburn might be favored by double digits. I'm going to go Auburn by like 12 or 13. Yeah, I was thinking somewhere in there. It won't be any higher than 15, uh, but it won't be any lower than eight or nine. Okay, because I was thinking uh, Alabama was only favored, I think, by, was it a. Uh, was it seven points at Vanderbilt? Uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, eight or so. it's high single digits, something like that. Eight, eight and a half, seven and a half. Which I thought was extremely low for Alabama to be undefeated uh, in the SEC to be only a seven point favorite. Yeah, it's just about those road environments. And what was funny about that game is Bama was cooking Vanderbilt. They were up twenty in the second half, and then Vandy cut it to eight with like a minute thirty left. So they almost ended up covering that. Uh, it got very hairy there at the end. If, if you had the, oh, uh, if you had the over under type of stuff. And speaking of hairy, uh, last night you see the uh, uh, ending of a UConn game. Uh, yeah, the foul and one with a second half for I believe Seton Hall. Yeah, winning that uh, one. Yeah. So, now I know you're a movie aficionado, so I'll leave you with this: If you haven't started to see it, I would strongly urge you to see it. The Rotten Tomatoes gave it a ninety-eight uh, percent. It's a series that just started, and it's called. Are you ready for it? Yes, I'm ready for it. 
Okay, The Last of Us. The la- Oh, yeah. See, I don't have access. I don't have a... What was that? HBO Max or... Uh, yeah, it's on HBO those, Max. I, I don't have, I don't have that Max, subscription. Yeah, yeah I, I definitely... Okay. It looks very appealing. It's something I would watch, but I do not have access to it. Yeah, I haven't seen Rotten Tomatoes give somebody 98%. The audience was 86%. Yeah, universally liked, that's for sure. It's a good one. Okay, uh, with that said, guys, thanks for your time. I know my time is way, way up, uh, more than I deserve. So uh, have a safe afternoon and evening, and talk to you again tomorrow afternoon. That's a promise. War Eagle. War Eagle, Steve. We appreciate the phone call. As always, that is retired War Dam Steve joining us on our Auburn Bank phone line. we got to take our first time out of hour number two. Something on birthdays and sports, that's ahead. And more talk about Auburn basketball, Auburn football, and anything that's on a caller's mind or you, the listener. Call us at 334-887-341 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9 to join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Today, we'll be right back. into the show send us your thoughts via email you've got mail sports call at the tiger.fm this is philip lolly former auburn tigers football assistant coach for the 2010 national championship team and you are listening to sports call Back to this Thursday edition of Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brain Dauntry, Brooks Childress. You're inside of our Tiger Communications studio. Appreciate Retired Word MC for joining us just a few moments ago. He left us with a conversation starter during the break. Top TV shows that everyone's seen because The Last of Us is getting great reviews. Now, to be fair... I realized it's one episode, and it was getting a 9.4, which is – things don't get much above 9. I mean, if you get a 9 on IMDb, that is pretty universally like. That's top 10, top 20 of TV or or movie. But so far, it's 9.4. Uh, the question that popped in my head is, are there any shows that just like – I don't mean had four or five good seasons and trailed off the end. I feel like that's everyone's opinion about every show. <laughs> I just feel like that's every almost everything. But did is there any show that comes to mind that had like one or two great episodes to start and then just like ended up just being a nothing burger? Oh, one or two great episodes? Yeah. I, I'm yeah, not. There the, was a Netflix show a couple of years ago called End of the Effing World. And I remember it got so popular. It got okay, so much advertising. Yeah. And I remember really enjoying the first episode of it. It's really weird and very off-putting. Uh, and I remember enjoying this first episode of it, and I got really sucked into the story. And the rest of it just kind of tailed off. I did not enjoy the rest of season one. I never watched season two. But that that's going to be my... It, it had a good couple of moments, but it, it tailed off uh, after after its introduction. I was looking at it, and this is this is kind of different because they had to, you know, they they had to change, part, you know, they had to change part of the cast, um, at the end of the show. 
but Netflix, I was looking at, I just went through the, uh, I was going through the episode guide uh, for this. House of Cards, they had to change... Uh, oh, no, the last Kevin, season Kevin Spacey's, yeah. Kevin Spacey's character, Kevin right? Spacey. Yeah. They The first three seasons didn't have an episode below like 8.3. Mm-hmm. Then you had like one episode in ep- season four that was like 7.9. And then you had a couple in season five that was like 7.6. But then I'm down, uh, get to season six. 4.5, for the very last episode. Yeah, yikes, because it was pointless not ha- having a show without Kevin Spacey. You should have just ended the show if you were not going to. I don't know, he had the controversy yeah. and all that and uh, has been removed essentially from Hollywood. Fine, if you're going to do that, stop the show because that that the show was revolving around yeah. all of Kevin Spacey's politics for a Frank Underwood was the character. That was on track to be one of my two or three favorite shows. In the last season, that was completely complete garbage and useless and a waste of everyone's time. But uh, I'm not even talking about shows like that. I'm just talking about like the Jeremy Lin uh, of TV shows. <laughs> Have a great game or two and then look at this very average forgettable player Lin the rest of the time. Uh, and, and I've struggled to think of it because I watch so few TV shows. I'm more of a movie guy. I don't devote a lot of time to TV shows. I probably only, from start to finish, watched 15 to 20 TV shows in my entire life. You know That's a, probably it. You know what's a show that I think got a little bit of hype and then died off a little bit, but then made a strong comeback toward the, uh, in the, uh, some of the later seasons? Was better call Saul. Yeah, one hundred percent. I was thinking the same it thing. It got a, it got a little bit of buzz when it started, and then it, like I forgot that it existed on TV for a little bit, and then these last couple seasons it just skyrocketed back up. People started talking a lot more about it, and I I still haven't watched the rest of it, so I don't know how like what happened, why they got so much better. But or why people thought it was so much better, but that, that that's one that started off with a little buzz, took a dip, and then came roaring back. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm gonna have what might be kind of a controversial opinion here because it's not to say that the show really fell off and got mediocre. It's still a good show, but I still think the first season is significantly better than the rest of it. I'm going to say Stranger Things. I think season one of Stranger Things is one of the best things that Netflix has ever done. And I think season two, it kind of tails off a little bit. It's not bad. It's certainly not a bad show. And I will be watching the final season whenever it comes out. Uh, and I've thoroughly enjoyed every part of it that we've gotten. But I think season one is just so much better than, than the rest of the show. I feel like those Stranger Things has gotten the same amount of hype for the entirety of it. Because I remember when the first season came it out. Has. It has. It, this is a controversial opinion. I don't expect I, people to agree with me. I remember when the first season came out. I think I was uh, a junior in college. I think that was my, like my, one of my first semesters at Auburn. So it was right after I transferred in. And I it was... Um, it was pretty, you know, people were dressing up as the characters that year for Halloween. Like, it had just come out, and they were already dressing up as characters. And I think it's gotten, like, in the in the the public eye, it has continued to stay at the same level of excitement. Like, it has just been consistent. Everybody's always excited for when it comes out. Um, it's just been a, you know, a really, really good uh, series. You know what's one that I think got a, you know, it, I, th- I think this may fit your uh, fit your mold, Ryan, that came out and it was just everybody talked about it. And then the later seasons uh, died off. And it's it's a little bit of a different show because it's not the same characters. But the American crime stories, I think everybody was talking about the people versus O.J. Simpson. And then when you got mm. to the assassination of Gianni Versace and then impeachment, 
they just nobody nobody talked about impeachment. I'd, right, I'd, which you not, thought they would have. Yeah, it was a fun. It was a that was a fun show. I enjoyed. I think I enjoyed that one the second most behind. Uh, oj simpson mm. uh but it was like the everybody talked about the people versus oj simpson and then as they were like oh well this this is a great series but then it didn't it had a great start and then it's just kind of tailed off the the thing about some of <laughs> fx's programming is that they are very niche True. And i know some people say niche i, I don't I say net. American Whatever. Horror Story N-I-C-H-E. could be the same thing too. Like exactly. American Horror Stories had a few seasons where it's like, oh, this is a great season, but then others you're like, I forget that this show is on. They're targeting a very particular part of the audience, and the, yes. they, they do some things that are a little little weirder than the other networks, and that's fine. There's a place for place for that because they're yeah. the, really the only ones that do it that way. But that I wonder if some of that seeped in to. Uh, American Crime Story that OJ was just so was the most universal thing they did. Yeah, where everyone kind of enjoyed it. it was kind of not not basic in the sense of they didn't try to do anything cool, but it was just like here's the story that everyone knows. Here's really good actors portraying these roles. You want to turn the pressure, right? John Travolta, <laughs> uh, you know, and then they probably with Gianni Versace because oh, well, heck, his lifestyle was going to be a little different than the OJ yeah. Simpson case. Maybe that helped them get back off the tracks. Um, I just fun little thing because I I Steve is was a hundred percent right to bring yeah. up The Last of Us with me because I absolutely I see that show advertised all the time and I'm like this is one of the few things that is regrettable that I don't have another streaming service because Netflix and Hulu I find cover a lot I'm not say most a lot yeah. of, of my of my interest um, but you know you guys were talking about Ted Lasso that'd be one that I'd love to see um, and there. Uh, there's a new show. I just saw a trailer for it yesterday. I think it came out. It stars Jason Segal. Siegel. Siegel. S e g a l. He played yeah. in uh, How I Met Your Mother. Yeah. Siegel, yeah. yeah. It's starring him, and it has Harrison Ford, and it's called Shrinking. Ooh. And that's an Apple. It's going to be on Apple TV Plus coming up here. In, All right. Well, uh, don't name more things that I can't watch. <laughs> that's, that's, it, <laughs> he's, but he's a psychiatrist, and like he starts to like go off the not go off the deep end, but like he takes more. He's you know he's he's tired of like sitting listening to his clients' problems and just saying how does that make you feel? Like he's like they're one of the parts of the trailer. The girl's like, you know, he you know the, my husband does this and this but he loves me and he's like no he's emotionally abusive leave him oh. and then she was like oh, okay and then he's <laughs> like maybe i could do like and then maybe this is what i should be doing is like actually like getting my hands a little dirty it looks yeah. really good another show that I, I wanted to bring up that i think had a potential to be good but never really took off and it was trying to build on it was it was a spinoff show and it was building on the all the hype surrounding um the walking dead was what was the it was the other amc show was something fear the walking fear dead the walking, yeah. where it was like you know in in the i don't know if have y'all either of y'all seen the walking dead i have i have not dead. i, I, I think watched, i would have given my interest but i have not i watched the first episode of the walking dead and was like ah, i think i'm okay but like the you know the the plot is the sheriff like gets in an accident goes into like a coma and then comes out zombie apocalypse has happened which is always something desirable to wake up to but yeah. fear of the walking dead is the start of it like they because like you don't know how it really started you get gotcha. bits and pieces it's the of the show it's the prequel show. It, yeah gotcha. it, it okay. like it takes place while he's in the coma and so there, that's good there was that's like good. i watched a couple of those episodes because i'm like oh well this is like taking place in california meanwhile walk fear, uh, the walking dead takes place in georgia uh-huh. and so you're like all right i can wa- i'll watch this if i haven't seen the walking dead because it's 
it, I don't have to know. Like, I'm sure there's not going to be many right. crossover characters here. Um, and I watched the first few episodes, and I thought it was good, but it never re- really got the never hype around it. Because, like, their AMC used to do, like, they do, like, a talk show right after The Walking Dead was on. It was, like, Talking Dead. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was, like, I remember that. right after The Walking Dead would come on premiere every single Sunday night, they'd have a talk show to talk about that episode airing right after that. And I, they tried to do that with Fear the Walking Dead, but I just don't know if it, I don't think it ever took off. What was I show? I saw a show advertised recently, and you talking about shrinking reminded me of this. There was some like mini series, I think, where Steve Carell was like this psychiatrist, and he ends up getting kidnapped by this psychotic killer, and like the killer is like, "Make me stop on it, stop wanting to kill people," and he ends up imprisoning Steve Carell, the psychiatrist. I do remember. I don't know what it was called, but I do remember that. I do remember. I, I, I wanted to watch that, and I can't remember that, what it was. Yeah, that was advertised recently, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Speaking of speaking of miniseries, and this is the last thing I'll interject with, um, I think it was HBO that came out with this, but Chernobyl. Did y'all ever watch Chernobyl? Did not. Heard it was I heard good. it was it's awesome. So good. So good. S- little six-part drama on, I, again, I think HBO. The yeah. Patient um, that, is what the... What the, you patient. the Patient. Guys, you've named like four straight things I've been interested in that I <laughs> have not seen or don't have access should, to. Chernobyl is definitely Emmy, Should we just go to the Emmys and see what's on? Mm, pretty much. But. Um... Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of shows. I don't know, like that you could really go into well, the you category like cut you brought that off up. And there's a yeah. lot of shows. <laughs> there's a yeah. lot of shows that could have gone into the category of had a great start and then just plummeted off. And it's like, yeah, and again, like I, that seems like a very typical thing uh, for even the best of shows. I mean, people. I again, the not, I have watched so little of the big time shows. It's embarrassing. You guys and we all used to dog JJ for the movie part. You could def I, you could absolutely do that with me in TV. Um, Game of Thrones, another notable show that did not air on Netflix or Hulu or a major network that I have a cable subscription to. So I did not ever watch Game of Thrones. But I heard that obviously the ending of it, everyone did not. Yeah, they, they felt. I, and, I never watched it, but like from what I heard, it was like they phoned in the last. And season. so even though, they, the, I, yeah, as someone who did watch Game of Thrones, the last season just feels but, incredibly lazy. Like it feels like their heart went out of it. Like characters, what made Game of Thrones so great is how smart each of the characters were, and how there's this battle of just really intelligent people like going at each other and playing this political chessboard so smoothly. And in the last season, you see these characters that have been super smart just act really, really dumb. Isn't it because though that uh, uh, not Tolkien. Uh, George R. R. Martin. He has not written the last so book. So he right? actually, the series follows the books. I think the yeah. last book that was written in, takes place during season four or five. So uh-huh. it's really the last three or four seasons that they didn't have okay. the book. So that 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 is not why the last season was bad. Okay, interesting. That's what I thought. There's a show on, and it's still on, that I can't believe is still on because. It, it, Grey's Anatomy. It's a, it, no, Grey's Anatomy is a great show. How dare you? The first like f- six or seven seasons are great, and then it falls off hard. Um, that's where I am. Is so it a, I, that's why I still make it. What is it a Dempsey thing? Patrick, Dem- Patrick Dempsey thing. Is hey, that, Patrick is that Dempsey when he left the show. No, that's not when he left. It's when uh, no spoilers. I mean, I he, he does leave the show at some point. Um, the, the I've never watched it. There, there are different character deaths that occur in the show. That make me that like after that point are like okay it's a little bit worse a little bit worse and when Patrick Dempsey leaves is when the show was when I stop watching the show. The, the worst thing about Grey's Anatomy and I'll get back to my original show point that I was just about to make. The worst thing about 
Grey's Anatomy that I know it's like, still happening. It is is one I know that Patrick Dempsey's character is going to die. Right. Two, Grace has told me that there's several times in the show that you think he's going to die and he doesn't actually die. And so now every time he's <laughs> about to die, like I've got is this, this is it? True. Is this <laughs> the, the one? And so that's just you know that that's going to start screwing with me because I just watched an episode where he like the first time he's like almost dead and <laughs> and it's like oh this is it this is it and what's his name Derek yep Derek Derek um the original show that I was going to talk about the one that I cannot believe is still on and I it's a spinoff of a show and I guess it you know I I guess people are still watching because it's still on Young Sheldon <laughs> cannot believe that show is still on because when you watch The Big Bang Theory Sheldon's personality is like it's an it you know if, if, if objectively it's a little annoying but it's funny but that personality on a child makes you just want like at least makes me just want to hit him like just <laughs> no like you're just like no that's not how a child should act like it's like i i get it's the personality but it's like it just it, it makes me mad when i watch it does jj like young sheldon that's a great question he's the biggest that would big be, bang theory yeah that would be a jj show is is jj a fan of the big bang theory he's a big fan. Like, that's his I, favorite i show. enjoyed Besides it that's how i met your mother i enjoyed it but uh i never I never got super into it. I actually am about to start watching How I Met Your Mother. That's my next Netflix watch. Well, and and now I just saw the the sequel to that, How I Met Your Father, is coming out. Really, on Hulu with Hilary Duff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I they'll 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 remake if it's any good. They're gonna do a spinoff <laughs> or a sequel, a prequel, or something to it. I mean, same thing as movies, but. Um, Again, I you could I have not seen all the shows you guys were naming uh, during the break uh, that you guys liked like top five shows. Haven't seen all the way through or haven't seen them at all. And it's like what did I say? Friends, New Girl, Game of Thrones, uh, Breaking, Breaking Bad, Bad, and Ted Lasso. Yeah, yeah. The most I've seen would be ha- New Girl. Has any uh, yeah, that would be like a dozen episodes? Not not a whole lot. That's friend, not my top five. That's just like the first five that popped into my head. Friend of the program, Austin Scott wants to know about Severance. I've never seen I it. I don't know Severance. Like, yeah. I, I remember the name. I've never watched it. Well, I Austin, can't picture uh, it in my head. The two words you said in your second message, Apple TV Plus, <laughs> uh, disqualified me from knowing anything uh, much about it. So, A uh, show... No, go ahead. No, I, you go ahead. I was going to say, a show, I was going to change to the oh, show. Oh, yeah, I have seen this. It's like the... But have you this, seen it? This company, like, separates personal life from work life but, so you, like in your in your memory you don't remember yeah, what your this, job is is this it's not jason bateman but it, who oh who is no, jason bateman is no. uh is in uh ozark right adams is it adam scott uh who is it it's someone golfer? hold on no, <laughs> no not the golf created <laughs> by dan erickson created directed by ben stiller uh, uh, adam really? scott adam scott adam okay. scott zach cherry Britt lower trammell tillman jen tullick I don't. That's, so I, that but, did. Oh, seem, John Turturro. That seemed very interesting. Christopher Walken. Austin but, has managed to bring up another show that I was interested in that I can't watch, and I'm just. I refused. I, I know the sports talk show. And I'm talking a lot of TV right now, but I refuse to pay gobs of money for every single screening <laughs> service because they're all doing a good job of presenting something interesting yeah, to the yeah, table. Worth watching. They're honestly, by the way, here's your hot take as we're about to close the segment because we need to move on. But here's <laughs> your hot take. The streamers are doing a whole lot better than the networks of TV shows. Oh, yeah. I, I think c- they're I doing a whole you. lot better. I, I do the nightly TV guide every single night. I couldn't tell you what the what the night lineup is on ABC on a, any given night. I mean, but I could well, tell when Stranger they, Things is coming out. Because they have to change them every year or two because they're not any good. 
Like, uh, I think the the CBS show that's most appealing to me right now that I've seen recently is like Fire Country. It's wow. like it's like the only show that's like ringing a bell with me. I thought you were gonna go NCIS. Okay, well that's been on for. I used to be a big NCIS guy. <laughs> I I used to watch NCIS religiously. That was Mark like Harmon? that was appointment what? television. But seriously, what outside guy? of that type of show, the NCIS or the various spinoffs at the CBS, Criminal Criminal Minds, Minds, all the, that stuff. Yeah. And, and Law and Order is like that. That's it. I mean, like they're they're having to they, do new shows they, every year and two. Literally, did y'all ever watch Suits? No. Since we're talking about courtroom dramas and stuff like that, Suits is so good. They, I, I really recommend Suits. If you CBS can find it. literally brought back the original CSI. Like they they had did CSI they really? and they stopped doing it. I think they the made last all the other CSI. I, well, they 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 did CSI. They did CSI Miami, CSI New York. I think CSI Miami went off the air. CSI went off it's the air, and CSI New CSI York Miami. Like, kept going for a little bit, and then it went off the air. And then they brought back. They went like CSI Las Vegas, which is where the original, which is the original CSI, and they brought mm. back some of the original cast. Did y'all ever watch Twenty Four? Yes, Jack loved Twenty Four. Loved Twenty Four. You would think I would have, I have, but again, I don't watch TV. You want to get stressed out in a TV show? Watch Twenty Four. Events occur in real time. The premise is is fantastic. Again, if I just if I watched a little less sports, (laughs) took out the remaining video games, then I would start watching more TV. I certainly stay up late enough, but uh, I'm I've not seen that either. But I've heard. I've heard. You, you want to get stressed out for a... How many season? episodes fit into one 24-hour period 24. for them? 24. It, it episodes is, it is 24 episodes in 24 hours? It is. Real, like, like, they show the title card, and then incredible. it goes away, and then you hear Jack Bauer go, events occur in real time. And then and then the show starts. It's 24 episodes a season because they come... Oh, is it on Netflix? Oh, Austin, Austin says, says it's on Netflix. It's on Netflix. That means I can want, put it in the queue and so find it next year. You want to get stressed out for you know 24 episodes? It is just phenomenal. That stuff. is uh, 24 was the reason that my family got DVR. The, I'm going to say the worst thing though is when every before, Monday night before it was on Netflix and you had to watch it when it was airing when you had to watch it on network television and you had to wait a week to get to the next yeah. hour and you're just left on a stressful cliffhanger. You just there's like these these two. It's the most annoying thing. You're like. Jack is like in a standoff with the bad guy and then you see the clock click up and it switches to the next hour and then goes to commercial. Yep. And you're like, all right, one more week. Speaking of going to commercial, we need to take our final commercial break of hour number two. That segment had absolutely nothing to do with sports and that is okay. (laughs) We talked about Ted Lasso. It's close enough. Ted Lasso. There you go. Another show I can't watch. Uh, (laughs) So, but uh, a little TV talk for you right there. When we come back, we're going to close out hour number two, birthdays and sports and more coming up next. The Sports Call crew wants to hear from you. Give us a phone call at 334-887-3401. Now, back to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning sports call.
Welcome back to this Thursday edition of Sports Call. Ryan Lavoie, Brooks Childress, Grant Daughtry. Brooks was just showing me the list of TV shows and movies that he still needs to watch. And we're reminded of a time last year where we tried to do some therapy. And on I was Brooks. told I was a lost cause. <laughs> and uh, I mean, that, I, that, that is how the therapy ended. Was right. just like, yeah, maybe, maybe you're beyond help. Not real therapy there when you say lost cause at the end. But uh, I don't disagree at this moment, given what I just saw the length of that list. At least we've made progress where I have a list written down now. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I'm not. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. We got got to get to watching there. Just a few more minutes left in this hour, so let's move on here. We've yet to do birthdays and sports, so let's do them right now. It's time for today's birthdays and sports. Today's birthdays and sports, as they are each and every day, presented by Max Credit Union, with two locations to serve you: one location on Gay Street in Auburn, and the other on Frederick Road in Opelika. Let Max Credit Union help you with all of your banking needs. Jonathan Taylor turns 24 today, running back for the Indianapolis Colts. Taylor was born in New Jersey and amassed over 4,600 yards and 51 touchdowns over his high school career. Played college football Wisconsin. The Badgers. Where he was Big Ten Newcomer of the Year, three-time All-Big Ten selection, two-time unanimous All-American, and two-time Doak Walker Award winner. He holds several NCAA records, including most 200-yard games in a career, most rushing yards ever by a player through three seasons. He was taken 41st overall by the Colts and starts with the team today. In 2021, he led the NFL in rush yards and touchdowns and was named an All-Pro. Jonathan Taylor turns 24 today. Pretty good running back. Very good. Walter Jones turns 49, former tackle for the Seattle Seahawks. Jones was born in Alsville, Alabama, and after two years in JUCO, played two years at Florida State, where he was an, where he was an All-American. He declared early for the NFL draft, was taken sixth overall in 1997, played his entire 13-year NFL career for the Seahawks, was a seven-time All-Pro and a nine-time Pro Bowler. His number 71 is retired by Seattle, and he was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 2014 in his first year of eligibility. Walter Jones turns 49 today. JaVale McGee turns 35, forward for the Dallas Mavericks. McGee was born in Michigan and played college basketball at Nevada. Pack. He started for the Wolfpack as a sophomore and declared for the NBA draft in 2008 as one of the best shooting bigs in college basketball. I don't know if that's translated to the NBA, but he was taken overall, uh, 18th overall by the Wizards and t- plays today for the Mavericks, a very spastic brand of basketball for JaVale McGee, again turning 35 today. That's all I think of when I think of JaVale McGee is just Shaquille O'Neal making fun of him. Okay. That's all I got. Gotcha. Sorry. <laughs> I think about NBA championships. Do you? With the Golden State Warriors. That's right. Oh. Joe Smith turns 91 today, former linebacker and head coach for the Detroit Lions. Schmidt was born in Pittsburgh and played college football for his hometown Panthers. Let's go Panthers. After two losing seasons, Smith became captain in 1952 and led Pitt to a 6-3 record that included wins over Ohio State, Notre Dame, and Army. He's also named an All-American, taken in the seventh round of the 1963 draft by the Lions, became a starter for the team despite his late-round status, spent 13 seasons with the Lions, was a 10-time All-Pro and Pro Bowler, two-time defensive MVP, and two-time NFL champion. His number 56 is retired by the Lions, was inducted in the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 1973. After he retired, he immediately became head coach of the Lions, was head coach from 1967 to 1972. 
Joe Schmidt turns 91 today. And those are the birthdays in sports presented by Max Credit Union. Again, Jonathan Taylor, Walter Jones, JaVale McGee, and Joe Schmidt. Well, I, I I do now that you mentioned it. Uh, Shaq did used to yell his name. I I'm um, really I'm glad that I didn't just say like I I was like, am I misremembering that? I know Shaq did that for a while on Inside the NBA. Yeah, well, and at least it was a little less negative than uh, his relationship with uh, Dwight Howard was. Amen. Uh, at times, too. Uh, trying to get the Superman mantra and, and that sort of thing. Shaq's still the original Superman there uh, in the NBA, even though he, he became a big boy a little bit later after his uh, Orlando Magic days. Out of time for hour number two. When we come back, a lot more ahead. We're going to continue to talk about the Auburn basketball team. Any updates in the college football world uh, that you need to know? And a lot more fun talk ahead. Stay tuned with Brooks Childers and Brant Daughtry. My name is Ryan Lavoie. We'll be back in just a few moments. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. My name is Ryan Lavoie. I'm joined by Brant Daughtry and Brooks Childress here on this now Thursday evening, coming to you live from our studios on South College Street. We've had a fun time today. Earlier in the program, we were... Well, you know what? Here's here's what you missed. If you miss any of our show, you can go back and listen to it on the Sports Call podcast, presented by Coca-Cola. If you ever miss something live or want to hear something again, go back and check out our show on demand wherever you get your podcast. Enjoy an ice-cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk. Coca-Cola, taste the feeling. And then another quick way of doing that is if you listen to our Sports Call Daily Show recap, which is going to start right now. We've already finished the first two hours of Sports Call today. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. It jumped up a notch. It did, didn't it? It's now time for the Daily Show Recap. Um, can you repeat the part of the stuff where you said all about the things? So again, uh, we talked to uh, Cole Pinkston of On3 and Auburn Live at 3.30 today about everything going on the transfer portal. Had a couple great phone calls from James from Montgomery and retired Ward M. Steve. Talked to Auburn basketball and their win against LSU 67-49 last night. And then uh, we got a little less serious towards the end of hour number two. Talked some TV shows. 
debatable. Okay, well, less, le- less less sports oriented. Let me put it that way. Uh, definitely, TV shows very interesting and can be serious for some. And if I uh, did not watch a plethora of sports, then I would watch a, a plethora of TV shows. But uh, and, alas, and I think that is part of my problem. When we went back and you know we discussed the uh, about a year ago, we had the. Um, therapy time with brooks i think that's part of my problem too is it gets me in trouble with tv and movies is there's just so many sports on there there is and, and that's uh, our job well it is it's and basically it is. homework yeah well we're not gonna put it bad. <laughs> <laughs> yes but also homework was always a negative thing for the first 22 years of my life so you know what Let's just uh, let's not call home. <laughs> let's not associate the two. But uh, we are going to talk uh, some listing here uh, and some college football because I, I saw this a couple days ago from two four seven, and they ranked the top twenty five teams over the past twenty years in college football. Okay, so again, last twenty years, not quite the entire twenty first century thus far, but from two thousand and two, I guess, to two thousand twenty two. And I was very surprised, at least at face value, to see where Auburn was, and maybe that's some recency bias playing in there. But uh, I'm gonna we're gonna go through this top 25, and we'll talk a little bit more as we go. But uh, I'll go ahead and start with the first five. Uh, number 25 of the last 20 years in college football, according to 247, was the Utah Utes. Number 24, Notre Dame. Number 23, Tennessee. Number 22, Boise State. Number 21, Missouri. Any thoughts from those uh, first five there? Missouri's interesting to me. I can't think of, other than the 2013 and 2014 season where they they won the SEC East, I can't think of them being super successful uh, the, since the, the turn of the last 20 years. Yeah. There was a... Uh, Gary Pinkle, yeah. when they were in the Big 12, they, uh, okay, quarterback yeah. was Chase Daniel, wide receiver yeah. like Jeremy Macklin. They had a couple highly ranked teams those years. I, I forgot about the Pinkle years. You're right. There was, I would say there was a couple years there where the Kansas-Missouri game was like was national Randomly TV. important. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can't believe that. <laughs> but yeah, it was very important for a couple years. Because Kansas was also a BCS team for a couple years during the mid Just one, yeah. Todd Reesing, uh, a keep to lead team that uh, Mark Mangino coached. Uh, they had like they had two or three good years with him, but they had one particular year there where they were BCS. I tell you what stood out to me, if I may go ahead. Go ahead. That Notre Dame was only twenty four. Mm. Notre Dame is one of the top ten or twelve programs of all time. Yeah. in college football, so them just inherently being twenty four stood out to me, but. Let's think about the national conversations with some of these teams in the on this list right here. You mentioned Missouri Brant, and I would agree. I mean, the last six or seven years, not really anything to put on that resume. They did have some good years in the 2000s, and then, as uh, alluded to, a, a couple of their first years in the SEC. But you got Tennessee in front of Notre Dame. Tennessee's been a borderline laughing stock of the league for a decade plus until yeah. this last year. Yeah. And yet Notre Dame is 24th. And I know that this time period encompasses Tyrone Willingham doing whatever the hell that was <laughs> uh, and, and Charlie Weiss having some, some rough goes of it. But there's still the Brady Quinn teams that were good. 
And then all of Brian Kelly's tenure was good. I mean, that, that's 10 or so years of being competent. I know they got squashed in a national title game in 2012. They went to a national title game. Last time I checked, I don't think Missouri was in a national title game. I don't think Tennessee uh, in the last 20 years was in one. Went to a couple playoffs. Um, they went to a couple playoffs, as you said. Who cares if they didn't win a championship? I know Notre Dame standards to win one, they care. But I'm saying for the sake of this list, I'm sorry. They're above all these teams that they're behind. Boise State, Tennessee, and Missouri. I'm going to go over to the next five here in a minute. But I might not be done moving up Notre Dame either. I, I, I get the expectations. And if you're talking relative to expectations, sure, Notre Dame did not meet them for a, a lot of the last two decades. But... Uh, overall, that's still way more successes than the teams right around them here. Uh, but interesting to have Boise State 22 because also that's probably the premier uh, group of five program over these last two decades. I know that UCF has had some times recently. Cincinnati obviously was the first to break through into the playoff. But Boise State's kind of who started it all, uh, of course, with the craze of the smaller conference teams. Chris Peterson, what he did there for numerous years. So that's where they are at 22. I was going to say, I think the, the key there is that you know, you've, you've had UCF that's had some success and you've had Cincinnati's had some success but it's been several coaches with Boise State it was Chris Peterson and then it was was Brian Harson right after Chris Peterson I believe so. And he had them on a pretty good track. They were winning, you know. They about, still won Mountain West Championships. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then uh, Avilos is, has gotten there, taking a step back, but they're still. Right. They, they've slowly leaked over time. But. Yeah. But there's still a team that, you know, like you, if, if he keeps going right now, they he can get them back into Mountain West Championship uh, contention very quickly. Uh, so they've, they've done it over several coaches. UCF, you had Scott Frost. And then Josh Heupel, he he kind of kept – he didn't break, take them up. He just kind of kept it right there around where uh, Scott Frost had them. Uh, and then Cincinnati was basically just um, – uh, fickle. fickle, Luke yeah. Fickle. So it's like the, over the last 20 years, definitely over several coaches, it's been Boise State that's sure. been a premier program. So moving on into the top 20 now. And, again, I still think a couple of these teams I'd probably move Notre Dame above. Number 20 is Iowa. Number 19 is TCU. And, of course, I mentioned the group of five element. TCU was in the Mountain West for and Conference USA, by the way, for part of this uh, spectrum. But the last 10 or so years, they've been in the Big 12. Number 18, Virginia Tech. Number 17, Texas A&M. Number 16, Penn State. And, again, you got to remember 20 years here. We can't just leave the last few years of, of, of failures or successes in on this. TCU seems legitimate because, again, they were – neck and neck with Boise most of the time. In fact, they literally had to play Boise in a BCS Bowl. I think it was the Rose Bowl, maybe. Andy Dalton was in that game. I don't remember if it was a Kellen Moore team or not, but I know Andy Dalton was the TCU quarterback back when they were still in the Mountain West. I'm like, of course they made (laughs) the two top ten group of five teams play each other in a BCS Bowl at the time. Uh, But So TCU's had successes beyond just this, this past year. I was always... Eight to nine, ten wins. They do their thing. They don't win anything of significance. They never have, or they've only had one or two really bad years. Ference has been there almost the whole 20 years, I think. Uh, I mean, he's been there a long time. Uh, Virginia Tech, you know, I, I think this is more for the first few years. Yeah. Of yeah. I'm, I'm wondering, like, how much weight is Mike Michael Vick kind of pulling here? Well, Michael not Vick would have Vick. Vick been pre this. Yeah, this, right. this would have been the post Vic era where they were still very good but right. Marcus Vic a little bit as <laughs> a brother that they were like top 15 in the country yeah. but uh, Kirk Ferentz has been in Iowa since 1999 yeah so, so over the, 20 years the, the entire, entire time. time um 
So Virginia Tech's got to be like those first seven or eight years of this time period because obviously they, they played Auburn in the t- 2004 year. Yeah. So it was a really good Virginia Tech team. I think Tyrod Taylor, when he was at quarterback, they were pretty highly ranked. I think they had – I can kind of envision them getting upset as a, as a top five or seven team by somebody on like a Thursday night or something. So relevant team there. The last seven or eight years, the end of Beamer, uh, end of Justin Fuente, et cetera, has not been good whatsoever. So I would still be tempted to move Virginia Tech down below a team like Notre Dame who again I unless I'm I'm thinking wrong I can't recall Beamer in this last or Virginia Tech in these last 20 years making a title game I think they made one at one point uh, if I'm if I'm not mistaken but certainly not what Notre Dame's done so I'm still kind of confused on why Notre Dame's so low and I believe I'm no Notre Dame truther here but but Notre Dame still seems underrated to me. A&M at 17, Penn State at 16. Is there anything about, A- about those five? A&M is weird to me because I'm, I'm trying to think. And to be fair, I, I'm having a trouble thinking past 2012 when they joined the SEC. But other than the one year of Johnny Manziel, even though there were two years of Johnny Manziel, but 2012 was really his big season. What did A&M do from 03 to 2011? Because I... I all I can think of was, is 2012, they had a pretty good year. They had a 10-win season with Kellen Mond in which they got demolished by Alabama. Excuse me, 11 They went 11-1 and won that season and got demolished by Alabama. Um, I, I'm trying to think of anything else that they have done yeah, I mean, in the SEC. I mean, well, I mean, but even still, okay, the SEC encompasses half of the last 20 years because yeah. they joined the, the league in 2012. Right. So what did they do before then? Not much. I, I just quickly pulled up their last – well, technically 120 years on sports reference, but <laughs> but we don't need uh, 1937. But uh, between two before before the SEC, okay, 2011 to 2002 in the time frame, their best season was nine and four. They yeah. only did it twice. Interesting. <laughs> they did not have a 10 win season in the Big 12 from 2000. Uh, if I want to be technical, from 1999 to 2011 when they left. But for the purpose of our time frame, 02 to 11. I, <laughs> Again, Notre Dame went to a national championship game. They went to a couple of playoffs. I don't yeah. care that Clemson drubbed them. I don't care that Alabama drubbed them. Hammered, but do they you, were there. Do you want three national playoffs slash championship appearances, or do you want a three Johnny Man- seasons? Johnny Manziel. You know, what? what is that? <laughs> Johnny Manziel and Kellen Mond. I looked. I looked up Virginia Tech's. They went to the nat, the BCS title game in 1999, okay. and they lost to Florida State. Did not go back after that. Okay. For the purposes of this time frame, they were in one, two, three, four, five BCS bowl. Games. Okay, that's okay. that's solid. Yeah. And the last they're one coming, way above A and M then, and they're technically ranked below them here. Say last one coming in 2011, they played Michigan in the Sugar Bowl. TCU. I looked up their bowl's history. Mm-hmm. Uh, they played Boise State in the 2010 Fiesta Bowl. Okay. Then the Fiesta next bowl. year they followed up with the Rose Bowl against gotcha. Wisconsin. Fun fact though, within this like this time frame that we're looking at, 2002 to 2022, they played Boise State three times in a bowl game. One was Good the BCS grief. Bowl. One time was the year before the BCS or their last appearance before the BCS Bowl. Uh, they played them in the Poinsettia Bowl. And then a few years before that, in 2003, they played them in the Fort Worth Bowl. And again, I thought they overlapped in the Mountain West for at least a few years because I know that Boise was in the WAC for a long time until the WAC uh, became non-existent. But then once it once it folded, Boise moved into the Mountain West, which is where TCU had been after they left Conference USA. So they, they had a lot of history together. Uh even this, even TCU, I'd probably put a get above A and M. Am I wrong there? Here, here's I, who. 
Oh, go ahead. I don't, I don't know. I, well, no, I was yeah, just agreeing. I was like, I can't think of anything to, to the contrary. Here's who they've beaten. And this is just looking at bowl games. This is, here's who TCU has beaten in bowl games since this started. Colorado State, Iowa State, Northern Illinois, Houston, Boise State, Wisconsin, Louisiana Tech, Ole Miss, Oregon, Stanford, Cal, Michigan. It, it gets pretty impressive towards the end. So here's T- – and, and here's their – I don't want to harp too much on TCU, but just here's 20 years of TCU here, okay? 10 and 2, 11 and 2, 5 and 6, 11 and 1, 11 and 2, 8 and 5, 11 and 2, 12 and 1, 13 and 0, 11 and 2, 7 and 6, 4 and 8 once they join the Big 12, then 12 and 1, 11 and 2, 6 and 7, 11 and 3, 7 and 6, 5 and 7, 6 and 4, 5 and 7. So rough the last four or five years and then uh, national championship game this year. I do. <laughs> I know a couple of those were not in power conference, but they still had three. No, I'm sorry, four double digit win seasons in the Big Twelve yeah. since joining. That's that, that's, that alone. That's a really enough. that's a much more impressive resume than I thought they had. That that alone beats A and M. I mean, I know A and M is probably upset about that, but uh, since it's another so, you know, you state asked, of Texas team. Yeah. You asked about uh, overlap with the conference uh, for uh, Boise State and uh-huh. TCU. They were at least in it together. Um, maybe only for a year. Or two, maybe maybe for this. a year because both of them. So the so TCU was in the WAC from in '99 and 2000. Then Conference USA in 2002. Right to 2004. And then in 2005, they jumped to Mountain West. Right to 20. Four, 11. 2011. Yeah. yeah. 12 is when they went to the Big 12. And then Boise State, they were in the WAC 2002 through at least 2010. So maybe just one year, maybe 2011, they overlapped for one singular year. The Mountain West had it made for yep. a year, and then TCU left. Um, so anyway, funny, fuzzy memory there, but they definitely met a lot, as you said, three bowl games, too. So moral of this story, Texas A&M overrated. Uh, <laughs> as is custom. Yeah, we could have told you that. Notre Dame underrated, which is not, which is not custom. Right. But when you're rated 24th here, uh, and then TCU may be a little undervalued, could have been above Virginia Tech, Texas A&M. Uh, Penn State at 16, still had the end of Joe Pa. They've had consistent teams. I, I don't. Yeah, they, I'm not right after Joe Paul. They kind of just fell into the woods for a little bit before reemerging. Right. Yeah. Had the NCAA stuff and all that. All right, moving on to the top 15. We're going to 15 through 11, then take a break and reveal the top 10. Number 15, Michigan. Number 14, Florida State. Number 13, Oregon. Number 12, Oklahoma State. <laughs> Number 11, I just can't not do it. So no, it, it cracks me up every time. I love when you do it. <laughs> number 12, Oklahoma State, and number 11, Wisconsin. So Michigan 15, Florida State 14, Oregon 13, Oklahoma State 12, Wisconsin 11. Anything strike you there? First impression, Florida State should be higher. Okay. I think so, too. It's interesting to me that Oregon is above uh, – run through it again. 15 Michigan, 14 Florida State, 13 Oregon, 12 Oklahoma State, 11 Wisconsin. It's weird to me that Oregon is above Florida State because Florida State has at least one national championship in that time. Do they have two? Did they win one in the early 2000s Florida, as Florida well? Florida State won one in 1999. With, yeah, that's, so that's but they, they've got at least one national championship in that time, obviously beating Auburn um, in 2013. 
So I, I would think a having a national championship would put you above teams that do not, and a Heisman Trophy winner. Um, Oregon's got one of those two things. They do not have a national championship. So that it's interesting to me that Oregon. I understand they win the Pac-12 like every other year, um, and I, it's certainly Oregon's a top twenty program. Uh, I, I don't know if I'd put them above teams that have national championships in well, the last twenty years. I mean, it's also you know you you don't just look at you know the bowl games or something they went to but also they in that time span they they had a heisman trophy winner talking about florida state here yeah okay and then you know you look at their their awards they had a heisman trophy winner you had james winston you had a couple or you had um uh some jim brown uh, jim brown award winner dalvin cook uh for the best running back in the country you had the best tight end nick o'leary um, you know, you have like a list of awards going through here. You had the best kit, Lou Groza Award with Graham Gano and Robert, Roberto Aguayo. I remember Roberto Aguayo. That dude was that dude was insane in college. Um, yeah, you had like a you know this. You can run through a list of like award winning players that were there and during that time. And I'm sure you can run through that list with some of these other programs. But it's you know during especially during that time with Bowden and then right into Jimbo Fisher. You you just had a couple years, and I guess you you could te- technically say they're still kind of in the woods a little bit. Um, with certainly feels they're back on track, but, it, but yeah, it feels like Norvell's got them back on track here. Uh, you you would take you know a lot of people have them. There's a lot of people out there that are saying they can challenge for a playoff next year if it keeps going the way it is. All right, so certainly for the ACC title. Trying to do quick research here. I'm going to kind of lean towards the one that might be overrated in this slot is Oklahoma State. So they're 12. Uh, that's, that's one I didn't even think about. You're probably right. Um, they, I mean, I still think they belong kind of in this group above some of the teams we were talking about earlier. Uh, their main highlights from 02 to 22, they've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven double-digit win seasons. They've also got three nine-win seasons. So very consistent program. Uh, looks like about seven finishes in the top ten. So that is really solid. So, again, I think they're safe in the in the 15 range. But maybe when we compare them to Florida State and Oregon, because I was doing that while you guys were talking. So Florida State during that time period has two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight uh, 10 win seasons, including a national championship. So I don't know why Oklahoma State's above Florida State. Uh, Florida State had uh, finishes, it looks like three, uh, about 13 straight years in this time frame. No, I'm sorry, 17 straight years did they – uh, finish it? No, not finish. But seventeen straight years, they were ranked at some point, and they had three, eight consecutive finishes in the top twenty-five. Um, so that feels like that's above Oklahoma State. And then as far as Oregon here, since O two, uh, they've got, gosh, it looks like eleven or twelve ten-win seasons here, and they had uh, finishes mostly during Chip Kelly, but Mike, into Mike Bellotti too. 23rd, 10, 11th, 3rd, 4th, 2nd, 9th, 2nd, 19th uh, consecutively with Helfrich and, and Chip Kelly, the main of that, main brunt of that. So I don't think you could go wrong with Oregon or Florida State. Maybe lean Florida State, as you guys were saying, because of the players and the national championship aspect of it. Um, although Oregon did defeat Florida State in a playoff game, they d- did not end up winning that national championship. That one went to Ohio State. Uh, but I think both of those should be over Oklahoma State and I think I'm now ready to land Notre Dame somewhere in like that 15 range I'd maybe go Oklahoma State at 14 Wisconsin at 13 then Florida State and Oregon coming in at 12 or 11 in, in some order is I think how I'd how I'd go with that um, 
Wisconsin we didn't really talk about. Again, steady program. Iowa, but with just a little bit more notoriety with, I guess, running backs and just maybe a little bit better (laughs) of a ceiling. You know, yeah. maybe you, I think you can win a national championship. Nine foot ceiling in the house. Yeah. I think like you can win a championship at Wisconsin, even if it hasn't been done in a while. But I, I'm not convinced you can at Iowa. So that is 25 through 11. We're going to go ahead and take another commercial break. When we come back, we'll go through the top 10. If you've been listening throughout the whole top 25, you've not heard Auburn's name yet. You will soon. Don't worry. They're not out of the top 25. They are in the top 10. We'll go through the top 10 coming up in just a moment. Stay tuned. You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call here on this Thursday. Ryan Brooks and Brant with you here. Last half hour or so. And this hour we've been going through the top 25 college football programs of the last 20 years, according to 247. We've been making a few rankings adjustments to it. And before we reveal the top 10, though, we want to go back to our Auburn Bank phone line at 334-887-341 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up on the program today, Jeff from Columbus. Jeff joins the show. Jeff, how are you doing? Great, guys. Man, I hate to interrupt your dang uh, what you got going on. I just got in the car when I called, so I didn't know what was going on. I'll be make. I'll, I'll, I'll keep it short so you all can get on with your countdown. All good. And um, one thing, I don't know if Stetson Bennett's ever going to get the credit he deserves. You know, heck, I, I didn't want him to come back last year because I go, man, I don't think he can do it again. But he's gone on. He's what? I don't know what his record is. He had one loss last year. So, dang, you know, pretty good record, two championships and stuff. And I read something that was kind of crazy to me that he, even if he's, if everybody else thinks he's good enough, he is not eligible for the College Football Hall of Fame because he was not an All-American. Have you ever heard of such a thing? I have not uh, yeah, heard of that requirement. I know the uh, the only they they do have some weird requirements though, and I'm not saying this other one's weird, but yeah. the first requirement I heard of was with the Mike Leach thing and how you had to win 60 percent of your games to be eligible. Yeah, well, I mean, 60 percent of your games that seems like you know even low to me. You know well, what I'm yeah, saying? It but, did to me too. Yeah. But technically, Leach is at 59 too. So, for example, Leach would not be able to make the Hall of Fame. And I, I think because of the way yeah. he he changed offensive philosophy, you could argue that he would still deserve yeah. a spot. Yeah, I mean, I, I go, man. I mean, just with some of the people that are in the major league, and and well, like you say, it's not major leagues or, or professional which is turning to my college football is waning on me so uh I, I'm, I'm glad we did what uh, georgia did what they did in the past two years because i i think it's lost its luster to me i had no idea that a kid i thought they were making a couple thousand three hundred you know a million dollars but 13 million for four years for somebody who's never played any oh man i mean shoot rookie contracts <laughs> for coming out 
uh, from uh, college to pros. I mean, sometimes they don't get that much, and they've proven what they can do. Yeah, no, if you're not if, if you're not picked in the first round of the of the draft, you're not getting four for 13 on your rookie deal. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. And that's, that's just crazy to me. But I just thought that was kind of weird. I go, man, so you've got to be an All-American to be in in the Hall of Fame. And that, uh, you know, what if somebody, well, I guess – Especially a quarterback, there's there's only so many positions available. You know what I'm saying? It's gonna it's, it's pretty hard to be now. Okay, was Cam Newton an All American? Uh, yeah, he was because it, yeah, Heis, okay. yeah, Heisman winner, yeah, and, and yeah, Heisman winner. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, that, that, I I just wanted to say. That. And one last thing while we're on it, I, I know it's been forever, and you've probably already talked about this. Um, do you all believe TCU should be the number two ranked team at the end of the year? Yeah, no, not if you're not if you're voting based off of who you think the best teams are at this point. Obviously, those those pollsters are, are just committed to making whoever the loser of the, of the championship game was number two. But right. I mean, when you lose by fifty-eight, I mean, I know you accomplished something. I'm not trying to take away everything TCU no, did or, or anything like that. But yeah, I, I mean, if you're yeah, voting no. your best teams at the end of the season, I, I, it, a team that lost by fifty-eight to anybody in the sport does not right. feel well, like number. Even, even then, you could have bad games. You know what I'm saying? Georgia should have lost to Ohio State, right? And that's what I was more along the lines of what I'm thinking is. You kind of got to look at who could beat who on it. Okay, you play ten times. Who do you think is going to win? TCU or Ohio State, right? Right. You may have Michigan, Ohio State even or something like that. But I seriously, you know, uh, not just because Ohio State played Georgia and, uh, tough and should have beat them, you know, uh, I, I, it just seems weird to me. And like you said, I believe that's where we're at now is they're just putting the, the second place, the the person that loses, the team that loses the championship game at number two. So there's not a lot of thought into it. And, oh, one more question. Sure. We're going to 16, 16 teams, not 12, this year. Next no, 12, 12 teams in 2024. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Those games can be played on the campuses, right? Yes, the first round will be, but not the second okay. or third round. Yeah. Okay. Are they going to take place of bowl games? Yes. Yeah, so first round will be on campus, as I said. So 5, 12, 6, 11, 7, 10, and 8, 9 seeds. And then the uh, the quarterfinals, which with eight teams remaining, will begin the bowl rotation. Because when you have the quarter and semifinals, you have six remaining games in those two rounds. So you have four games in the round of eight and two, two games in the round okay. of four. So that takes up the six New Year's six. And then they have a rotating okay. – rotating place for the national championship game okay okay and also maybe you don't know these answers maybe they haven't decided but who's going to make the rankings a committee or are they going to take the ap and uh, uh, to my knowledge it's still a committee uh it is not changing into just a poll or a, a bcs system or anything like that it's still supposed to be the committee and that's what gets me again with the Michigan Ohio State TCU rankings at the end of the year. I believe Ohio State should have been ranked higher than TCU at the end of the year, but they weren't because I believe because no 
They didn't want to put Michigan and Ohio State to play each other after what three years, three weeks, right? You know, three weeks from the game. So, okay, I was just, um, I, I appreciate you answering my questions, and uh, I want to, I want to hear the rest of your countdown. So, sure. you all have a great night, and I'll uh, talk to you all later on. Absolutely, we appreciate the call, Jeff. And again, if anyone wants to call, even if uh, it's not exactly what we're talking about on the show, that is a okay. Uh, we absolutely uh, want to hear from you. And, and so, uh, if anyone wants to give us a call, absolutely feel free. Even if we're doing a, a list or countdown, the lists and countdowns they can be listed out at a later time. So we always appreciate all those callers, and we appreciate Jeff from Columbus right there on our Auburn Bank phone line. All right. So uh, as uh, we just alluded to, going through the top twenty-five uh, college football pro of the last 20 years. Uh, this, according to 247's rankings, is the ranking we're going off of. We have some differences of opinion from them, though. <laughs> Again, uh, let's remind you of, of 25 through 11. 25 was Utah. 24 was Notre Dame. 23 was Tennessee. 22, Boise State. 21, Missouri. 20, Iowa. 19, TCU. 18, Virginia Tech. 17, Texas A&M. 16, Penn State. 15, Michigan. 14, Florida State. 13, Oregon. 12, Oklahoma State. 11, Wisconsin. And again, some of our general sentiments were uh, that Notre Dame was not ranked as high as they should be. They were 24th. We feel they should be more around 16, 17, somewhere in there. Uh, maybe a little too much love for a team like Texas A&M, who was ranked 17th. Maybe. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, maybe uh, a, a little too much love for a team like Oklahoma State could be more like 15 or 16. Uh, could move Florida State, Oregon up a couple spots, uh, and that's kind of our main takeaways from that. So into the top 10 we go. And again, I'll list out 10 through 6 because don't want to run out of time. Number 10, USC. Number 9, Texas. Number 8, Auburn. Number 7, Florida. Number 6, Clemson. What do you think about those five? This is interesting to me. I think once you get into the top 10, you're going to reach teams that have had at least one national championship during this run. Um, You get Auburn in here. Uh, I think Auburn is... In a, in a justifiable spot. You've got a couple of undefeated seasons, a couple of SEC championships, a couple of national title appearances, one national title win, a Heisman Trophy. Um, it's certainly a team that expects to finish in the top half of the SEC every single year, uh, expects to compete for the at least the SEC West every now and then. You've got a winning streak over Alabama in there, uh, a six-game win streak over Alabama from uh, 2001 to 2007. Yeah, 2001 to 2000, 2003 to 2007, excuse me. Um, no, I think no, you're right. It was I right? 01 to 07? Yeah, yeah, it was 01 to 07. It was. It was. Math is hard. Um, I remember that. That's like my earliest memory of Auburn football is that, that six-game winning streak over Alabama. That's where I, I really get – that's where Auburn football kind of enters my memory is about the time of 2004. Um, You've got a ton of All-Americans, a ton of guys who make it to the NFL, especially in that early 2000s run. So I think Auburn is justified there. Um, USC. Interesting that they're 10th. I thought they'd be higher because of the, just because of the Pete Carroll days. Uh, Like they, they won. That's what I'm going through right now. Yeah. So, uh, 03 to 08, they went. Uh, well, 02 technically matters too here. 11 and 2 and 02, and 12 and 1, 13 and 0, 12 and 1, 11 and 2, 11 and 2, 12 and 1. And then uh, pretty Pete, incredible. Pete Carroll's last year, they went 9 and 4. They were still ranked 22nd. He left. Then 8 and 5, 10 and 2, 7 and 6, 10 and 4, 9 and 4, 8 and 6. And then a couple of years with Clay Helton of 10 and 3 and 11 and 3. How did they go 8 and 6? 
Uh, they went to their Pac-12 championship game. Wow. At 8-4. Uh, and four, Wild. Lost it. and Yep. So they had uh, a, a really great run again, predominantly from 2 to 8 A couple national championships in there. I know the whole Reggie Bush stuff kind of took some of that away. Nah. Not really. Uh, um, I, well, I know, but just a fit in, in record <laughs> right, books, right, it took some right. of it away. Um, not from our memories of how great some of the Southern Cal teams were. Um, I, I My only adjustment here is I might slide Auburn from 8 to 10 and might have Texas above and USC above them because Auburn only has four 10-win seasons in 20 years. That's true. Uh, and granted, those four years were really great football teams. But again, I just told you a stretch of what was that? Seven straight years where USC won at least 11 and they were ranked fourth, first, first, second, fourth, third, third. Yeah. It, it <laughs> is the most depressing stat to me that Auburn has never had back-to-back 10-win seasons. That has never Rough. happened in the history of Auburn football. As good as Auburn football is historically, there is there has not been a a period of sustained success, right? Which you feel like you should have had, especially like I mean, even back in the '80s during the Pat Dye days, you felt like you were competing for SEC championships frequently, uh, but you never you did not have back to back ten win seasons, and that's something that. I, I think it's coming. It's got to come at some point for a program as good as Auburn is um, because they belong in the top 10. They're a top 15 program all time, uh, but to to never have that. And also since the turn of the century, we talked about this a little bit too, they, they still haven't had a 1,000-yard receiver. Um, Randomly weird stat. Not, yeah. That's not great. <laughs> yeah, which which is insane because, again, we tweeted it out. Auburn has won a national championship, Heisman Trophy, a couple of undefeated seasons. You've won the West several times. You've won the SEC a few times. But you still have not had a receiver catch a thousand yards in a single season. It's just bizarre. So again, USC ten, Texas nine, Auburn eight, Florida seven, Clemson six. Um, any thoughts from you, Brooks, on on those five um, before we move on to the top five here in just a moment? Honestly, there. I know USC was pretty dominant in the early, you know, mid two thousands, right? Um, but yeah, we just went through it. Went finished in the top five, seven yeah, straight years. The the uh, just because of where Florida State had the run of several coaches, like right after um, Pete Carroll, USC went into the woods for a little while, and is just kind of now emerging back out with Lincoln Riley. Um, because of Florida State going Bobby Bowden to right back to back with um Jimbo Fisher. Jimbo Fisher and then going into the woods and I don't think they've been they they don't think they went in as as long as USC kind of has I would be and you know you you could make a case either way but maybe taking USC down a couple spots and maybe inserting Florida State right there at 10 instead of them but I mean, I feel like once I, you get this high, you you can start splitting hairs a little bit. That, and, you know, that, the top the top fifteen, you can probably jumble those groups of five around pretty heavily. Again, so here's the resumes for Florida State from O two to twenty two. Uh, they only had uh, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I say only eight ten win seasons. Um, their finishes in the AP poll. They only had three top ten uh, years, and I say only, relatively speaking here, of course. Uh, USC again. We went over um, that USC had from O two to O eight. If I can get this uh, thing back up here, um, from O two to O eight, they had um, 
their finishes were fourth, first, first, second, fourth, third, third. <laughs> so, Solid. And then it's not like that was it, too. Uh, as we alluded to, they had a year with Lane Kiffin. They finished sixth. They had another year with Kiffin. They were ranked. But they then had a year with Clay Helton. They were finishing third. Um, so uh, the thing about that is, is that USC clearly has had more of those seasons than Florida State. I actually went the other way and said Auburn should be below USC. Auburn, again, uh, I know Brooks is at the beginning and out here. Auburn's only had four 10 win teams in the last 20 years. Yeah. And USC had the stretch just from 08, oh, excuse me, 02 to 08, where they had seven straight top five teams. And so I've got to go USC in, in Texas above them. Uh, we did agree Florida State should have moved up a couple spots over the likes of uh, Wisconsin and uh, especially Oklahoma State. Yeah. Um, so a little bit difference of opinion there, but that's okay. That's why we do this. Who, who was there? It was 10 was USC, right? 10 USC, 9 Texas, 8 Auburn, 7 Florida, 6 Clemson. Okay, yeah. And, of course, Florida, Urban Meyer, uh, most of that work because the last 10 years or so, not as dominant. Clemson, the opposite of that, the first 10 years or so, not great. Davo Sweeney, been really great. Top five real quick. We're starting to, ru- starting to run out of time a little bit. Number five, LSU. Number four, Georgia. Number three, Oklahoma. Number two, Ohio State. Number one, uh, I know this will shock everyone, Alabama. That again, once you get into these 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 tight groups of five towards the top, I feel like a lot of them are are jumbleable. Um, Does Oklahoma have a national championship in the last twenty years? Because the fact that they're above Georgia is weird to me. Even though Georgia is probably recency bias here, uh, I was, that's I what I was trying to look at. Because I I was about to say I don't know what their um, I know they've had they had three Heisman Trophy winners in a row, so that's super impressive. Yes, but and I know they win a couple times because they lost to yeah. Florida. I thought they won one, but let me double check. I guess I could go up and look. And here. of course, guys on computers they they have a unclaimed national title in two thousand three, but the last time they won oh, that's it was two thousand. Yeah. Okay, the last time they won was two thousand. So honestly, you know, if you're putting you be. It, I think the thing that separates Oklahoma, the fact that there's a team in the top five that has not won a national championship in this window is shocking. That's to what me. I was, I was going to say. The, I think the thing that separates Oklahoma from uh, the difference is shocking is the Heisman Trophy winners. Because honestly, you look at Oklahoma's resume; they've been in the playoffs several times, mm-hmm. and they've they've played a national title game too. They they played uh, they they lost to Florida in one of those in the mid two thousands. They lost uh, they lost to USC in uh, 04 as well, yes. didn't they? So I mean, you could honestly put their resume alongside Notre Dame, and it's not that much different. They've made playoffs. They, the The thing is, is that the Heisman Trophy winners takes them up a notch, and they've played in more in a couple more national title games. Oh, well, one more national title game, right? Because they I played. Think so. it, and so. I just I don't know what the difference is between Oklahoma on that resume I, and, and Notre Dame. I'm about to tell you. All right. Uh, in these 20 years, Oklahoma has finished outside the AP poll three out of 20 years. They've been ranked 17 to 20. That would make sense. That's their consistent. They've only had one, two, three, five of the 20 years did they not win 10 games, and one of them was nine and two during COVID. So that that's the thing here is they consistently – um, by every metric there, there here's their AP finishes since 02. 5th, 3rd, 3rd, 22nd, 11th, 8th, 5th, uh, unranked 6th, 16th, 5th, 15th, 6th, unranked 5th, 5th, 3rd, 4th, 7th, 6th, 10th. Sounds like a top five program to me because 
again, they just just in this playoff era, era, excuse me, era, um, they've made what at least what three playoffs. I believe they've, they've made four playoffs. Four playoffs. 15, 17, 18, and nineteen. I mean, it's pretty much for the for this period. It's been them right there, neck and neck. Now, the Georgia thing would be appealing in uh, debate wise because uh, Georgia's two national championships here as a late. Yeah. But also before Kirby Smart, Mark Rick was a little lesser version yeah. of what was going on at Oregon or excuse me at Oklahoma. That that's what I would I would say that's the difference there is that when Mark Rick was there they were good, but they weren't always like the they reason couldn't he, get over the, the hump. reason he got fired was because he could not get over that hump. Lincoln Riley right there to get over that hump. So for Georgia's uh, resume again, so from 02 on, they had one, two, three, four, five, six years of not winning 10. So, I mean, only only one less than Oklahoma, to be fair. Uh, so maybe you do take the two national championships there at the end. I mean, I, I think that would be worth a lot. I could definitely see Georgia there. Um, but no issues, I assume, from you guys, Ohio State 2 or how about LSU 5? You see the 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 I when I heard first heard your top five that top five not your top five it's not your personal one top five um, yeah I'd the, have UAB and the, <laughs> the, the first the 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 first thing is maybe I would have LSU over um, over Oklahoma because of uh, Nick Saban was what was his national championship year it was oh three oh three and then Les Miles won one yeah and all then, all and, their coaches yeah and got back to it and then Orgeron's gotten one so the the national titles would what I would bump over Oklahoma but you know you pointed out about finishing the AP top uh, 25 I don't know if LSU's incredibly inconsistent yeah, they're a lot L- like Auburn in that they will have great seasons and awful seasons their seasons are just a little so, bit more extreme. But I said the only difference is that LSU, their great seasons, you like end yeah, in a national title. They win title. national titles, and in their bad seasons, I mean, they're bottom of the SEC, which Auburn has finished in the bottom of the SEC once in the last 20 years. Fun stuff for sure. Uh, I wish we had even a little bit more time to talk about all of it. Uh, your Sports Call Nightly TV Guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Uh, Brooks, what well, we got? Uh, basketball. Mi- basketball. Got Michigan, Maryland on ESPN. Purdue, Minnesota on ESPN2. And then uh, don't want to forget about women's college basketball. Auburn and Mississippi State on the SEC Network Plus. And, of course, on FM Talk 93.9 airtime at 645. Brooks, appreciate you being on the show today. Yes, sir. And, Brant, I appreciate you. You as well. We'll see you next time. Thank you for having me. And of course, we appreciate all those who tune in and called in, and Cole Pinkston from Auburn Live and on Three Sports for joining us on the program today. For Brooks Childress and Brant Daughtry, my name is Ryan LeBoy. Hope everyone enjoys their Thursday evening, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.